going down I'm yelling to my You better move You better dance Let's make a night You won't remember Hello everyone and welcome to the Rewatchmen where we don't review movies, we re-review movies. Although we are going to review a movie right now. But typically what we do here on the show is we take a movie we haven't seen in a long time and we have a strong feeling about and then we revisit it and re-review it and see if our opinion holds up all these years later. Sometimes the movie's better than we remember, sometimes it's worse. But that's not what we're doing today. Today we have one of our epic list episodes. Ah. Uh, I am TC, and across the table from me is Shikaka. Hello there, TC. A bento. That's me. NBC Asian America's bento. Yes, I am owned by them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Ben, how you doing? Doing really well. Just got back. Back from where? From the strange land it's so fabulous it's everything home alone to lost in new york (laughs) promised it would be tc i knew it i i have been to new york i've i've competed in new york but you you got to go to rockefeller center bumping elbows with tina fey i'm assuming you hung out with her let's just assume that (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay with you assuming that Uh, no but this was in in uh conjunction with Life Stories. Yes. Which is so your... I'm still um, directing, producing this Asian American documentary miniseries for NBC Asian America called Life Stories. And we were in New York and we got to interview some really cool people, like a Sikh uh, religious studies professor from Columbia and yeah. a counterterrorism expert, Ooh. which was crazy. That was probably the most, like, um, y- you know, when those, there's those kind of people where they walk in the room and their intelligence is so astronomically intimidating that you don't <laughs> want to say anything stupid. That's how I feel every yeah. day, looking in the mirror. Wait, what? Okay. Uh, one, of my, one of my best friends is a counter-terrorist. Uh, a, well, when he, he worked for the Army. He worked in counter-terrorism. Yeah. Um, but, man, you were... Isn't it, like, a really such an interesting subject? I wanna yeah. Do, yeah. I want to do more research after I kind of heard that woman's life story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it was a woman, too. Yeah, it was oh, a woman. man, double whammy there of, yeah. of interest. Yeah, so she, it's great because she's Pakistani-American, so she has, like, it's almost like a personal mission for her to not only combat terrorism but um, counter uh, Islamophobia mm-hmm. because it's affecting her own people, too. So it's it's just great. It's wow, a really great story, yeah. That's great. I'm, and uh, when will that be premiering? Um, we're kind of actually so initially I thought we were going to release the episodes as we shot them chronologically yeah. but that's not the case <laughs> so I have no idea it's all up in the air right now it's okay. up to my producer to um, kind of order the episodes so we'll okay. see it's starting in May though that's when the first episode will it's coming soon it's coming soon like Civil War oh yeah it's during the, the week I think <laughs> we're competing with Cap <laughs> oh man well you want to jump into talking about that in a fashion let's do it now, okay so Let's let's work our way backwards here. How excited are you for that movie? How how excited are you for that movie? Like for Cap Three? I'm I'm pretty excited. TC. Okay, I'm really are you excited. are you more excited now than you were, say, I don't know, a week ago? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, yes. To to wash a certain taste out of my mouth. Yes. <laughs> it's uh now you know I I remember a time when superheroes fought bad guys, not each other. <laughs> Uh, but since this seems to be the trend we're going with, um, man, I'm really looking forward to Civil War yes. because I, tr- I will continue to trust Marvel and their cinematic universe and their television universe. Just mm-hmm. the, the MCU proper as they've created is 
they're, they're on target, man. They yeah. never fail. I, even when they fail, it's still better than a lot of the stuff that's out there. <laughs> and after seeing Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Batman 5. I was even more excited for Civil War because mm. I needed to. <sighs> <laughs> well, Ben, you saw Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I did. Of yes, as did, I, as, I, as did a lot of people. It had a gigantic opening weekend. Hugely front-loaded. Record-setting yeah. opening weekend, followed by a record-setting drop-off. <laughs> 68%, right? 81. 81? Wow. (laughs) Now, some movies are critic-proof. Transformers are critic-proof. You can say how crappy those movies are all the live long day, shot from the rooftops, get a little car with a speaker on the top and just drive around going, this movie's terrible, don't go see it. People are going to see those movies. It's a (laughs) billions-dollar franchise. It does not appear that Batman and Superman are critic-proof because, wow, 81% is a huge drop-off. That is a... and, and you know what? I don't think it was necessarily people being affected by the reviews. Mm. I think it was the fact that no one wanted to see it a second time. Yes. That plays a huge part in why a movie succeeds. Something like Star Wars, mm. something like The Avengers. People are going to go see it multiple times. Repeatability. Yeah. yeah. And, <sighs> well, I guess this is it. Let's, <laughs> let's review Batman v Superman. I, I have already had many conversations about this. Mm. I guest spotted on the... Um, on a podcast, Dr. Odyssey. Um, you can mm-hmm. check it out. Check that out on Facebook if you want to hear my arguing with those fellas. Uh, but that episode that I that I guest started on wasn't about Batman versus Superman. It was about antiheroes in particular. So okay. you can check that out, uh, Dr. Odyssey, on Facebook. But I did have a conversation about BVS, mm-hmm. as I have with many people. Now, Ben, I would like to hear your point of view about Batman versus Superman. This is the true BBS conversation. <laughs> this is the one I've been waiting for. I've been saving all my ammunition. <laughs> so please, Ben, what did you think of this movie? You know what? I'm going to make it even difficult on you. Oh, God. Tell me all the good things. Woo! Okay, Wonder Woman. Um, Gal Gadot, yes. Gal Gadot. it. Gal Gadot, I believe. Gal, Gal Bladder yep. Gadot. Yep. <laughs> you, liked, you liked Wonder Woman? Um, yeah, I, I liked aspects of her. I think... The true essence of the character was captured, at least superficially, at least Mm -hmm. in combat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We just don't know enough yet to say, oh, hey, she is like, this is the Wonder Woman, the incarnation of Wonder Woman that we've all been looking forward to. Mm -hmm. We'll see. 2017, we'll see. Um, (laughs) But I got enough for it to say, okay, I like her. Um, Man, it's so hard to, because like, (laughs) I know Ben Affleck is getting a lot of praise um, one of the few bright spots of the movies, so on and so forth. I don't particularly agree mm. with that sentiment because um, I don't think I don't want to say that's not my Batman. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, but I don't think that's Batman in general. But we'll go we'll go into that later. But positives, I think I think I can only say Wonder Woman because what about Jeremy Irons? <laughs> He's I don't know like he he was likable I guess, but <laughs> Alfred was such a throwaway character. You know he had. He was so non-essential to the story and to even Batman. You know, they had such a limited interaction mm-hmm. that I kind of forgot that he was there. <laughs> <laughs> what about some of the imagery? Mm. Any any of the imagery do it for you? I'll give you two examples. Okay. Uh, the police officer in the tenement building who's got his gun out, and he's this guy chained and branded mm. uh, on the radiator, and yeah. Batman's up in the corner, like, mm. looming down on him. Mm. That frame that instant yeah i thought was a pretty damn good looking batman 
image. I can okay, I'll agree. I okay. can take that. Uh, second one, there's a when all the flooding takes place in the most depressing superhero <laughs> montage you will ever see <laughs> of Superman soullessly and unhappily saving people all across the world. In that moment, when he's the flood, there's a woman on the house, and she's looking up at the at the sun, and there's Superman uh, backlit by the sunlight, floating there uh, over her. It's a very Alex Ross Kingdom Come looking moment. Yeah, that instant was a really good Superman image. Mm-hmm. Followed immediately by my thought of stop floating there, Dick, save her. <laughs> <laughs> I I can get on board with that. Okay. Yeah, de- like I will never knock Zack Snyder for not being a good visual artist like i think we said it many times he would serve as a great art director (laughs) (laughs) a cinematographer anything uh, like visual visual director the man has an eye Mm -hmm. um i'll I'll give him that it's just i don't know i I, can are we allowed to get into the negatives just yet (laughs) well okay um yes obviously that's there's more to discuss in terms of negative than there's um is uh, than positive. Is there anything you liked in particular? Uh, I thought Hans Zimmer's score. I mean, the guy usually knocks it out of the park at least 90% of the time. Side note, the movie was so bad that it made Hans Zimmer quit. <laughs> <laughs> he did come out and say, I'm never making another. I'm done making superhero scores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfortunate to yeah. have that situation. <sighs> I have, I, I'm going to save this last little, little bombshell mm. about this movie and you're going to laugh and you're going to agree with me. I'm just going to write a little note to myself right there. Put a pin in it. <laughs> Put a pin in it. I think that there are elements of Ben Affleck's Batman that w- he did a great job with the material he had to work with. Mm. Okay, I thought his Bruce Wayne. And we're talking elder Batman. We're talking 50-plus-year-old Batman. Silver-haired, yeah. um, kind of very disenfranchised, very cynical Batman. Uh, there was elements about Ben Affleck that I thought, I wish you had directed this movie. Yeah. I wish you had been involved in the screenwriting process of this movie because he did really well with what he had to work with. Hmm. That's that I However, Batman doesn't kill. <laughs> Batman shouldn't kill. That's his freaking one rule. <laughs> it's like Zack Snyder's The Joker is like you're going to break your one rule. Okay. <laughs> It's the subtitle should have been Dawn of the Super Murderers because that's what they were doing the entire time. It was like, it was a free for all, man. Like, did not care. It was. I know we joke about the whole like, especially like in the Fast and Furious movies where there's like complete disregard for human life on the road. <laughs> yeah. It's like this, but with super powered human beings who are supposed to be good guys, mm-hmm. who are supposed to be people we're rooting for, and it's this future, this super future is frightening. Like. If, I don't know if I want to be saved by these quote-unquote yep. heroes. But what it comes down to is, like, I don't feel any hope with this Superman. Mm. He is hopeless. Yeah. I do not feel inspired by him. And spoiler, I guess we've been very spoilerly, more or less spoilerly <laughs> in this. <laughs> there was nothing earned and nothing powerful about him sacrificing himself mm-hmm. and some dirt floating off a co- coffin. <laughs> there was... In in the hands of a different director, in the hands of a different group of filmmakers, in a movie that has inspiration to it, zooming in that coffin should have ha- should have had me like clenching my fists, you know, like heart thumping, like come on, come on, come on. And as soon as that dirt rose and it's cut with the black, I should have been like, yes, woo, 
<laughs> Justice League, here we come. But I didn't feel that for a second. I looked at that, zoom in on the coffin, rolling my eyes, going, all right, just we Justice League comes out next year. Do you think for a second we're going, what's going to happen? The first act of that movie is going to be bringing them back from the dead. Yeah. Zoink scoop. If, if they weren't if they weren't trying so damn hard to catch up, it'd be nice to see a Reign of the Superman movie. I'd love to see if the four Supermen, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, that storyline play out because yeah. it's a it's a good story and it has some good stuff to it. But no, we're gonna just jump right ahead to him and he's back. And all I can hope, Ben, all I can hope is that he's resurrected with a personality. Mm. <laughs> yes. You Ta- get I'm, I'm taking you in. I'm taking you in. You keep talking now. Boom. Hey, your turn. Go, go, go. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Like, I think from point A to point Z in terms of production, uh, in terms of script and characterization and the world building of this mm-hmm. film, it didn't make any sense, TC. It did not make any sense. I tweeted out something along the lines of, um, this entire movie is built up of vignettes, montages, um, Flashbacks and dream sequences. Where <laughs> and is, dreams within dreams and dreams within dreams. Like, where is where's the actual story? That the I went into this and I said I'm I'm gonna all all prejudice aside. Mm. I'm gonna try to enjoy this movie. Yeah, I just wanted it to be better than Man of Steel. I do feel like it was, but I wasn't gonna sit there with my arms crossed mm. waiting for it to suck. <laughs> I spent the whole movie. Eyes wide, hmm. smiling through it, enjoying the moments that felt like Batman, that that uh, felt like Superman. Like I tried, and I did. When the movie ended, I was like, "Oh, all right, huh. wow, that was uh, that was surprise. That was um, wait it that um, and then <laughs> wait it, and then there was the oh, man, and then and then this son of a and he did it god damn it Zack Snyder you did it to me again it's the exact same thing happened with Man of Steel where I was like okay this is different I can accept this but no I can't it's it's unacceptable (laughs) I know I sound like I'm just being a fanboy but this isn't this is a you know what this is an okay this is a pretty good this is a this is a not bad movie (laughs) this is all right, cool. I mean, it it it's up there with with stuff that like more like Michael Bay, more like uh, Jerry Brockheimer movies. It's it's a movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's got some spectacle to it, and then and that's that's fine. But it's not just a movie. It's a Batman and a Superman and a Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. It unfortunately, I hold that at a higher regard, mm-hmm. particularly when we have such amazing versions of these characters animated. Yeah. And on paper. On television. Literally every other medium besides film. <laughs> and, and and you know what? The sad history of both these characters is about 50-50. Yeah. Not, the Batman movies are very divisive. Mm. The Superman movies are not great in the big spectrum of things. Mm. They they can be great. Yeah. The TV shows can be great. But Superman's got a sad history in, mm. in his alternative media. Yeah. Off the page, not illustrated. It's been whoa, like <laughs> the boat's been rocketing, and like you're totally right, TC. This this should be held in a higher regard, especially since these are such uh, strong figures in pop culture for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows the origins. We don't need another credit sequence explaining what happened. <laughs> yes, Batman's parents are dead. Okay? <laughs> All you had to do was a quick flash to a gravestone, and we got it. And you know, Batman Returns. Is the only Batman movie that doesn't show the murders? Huh, yeah, it's you're the right. only one. It's the only one that doesn't tread on it again. 
What about Batman the movie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You got me there. I think. <laughs> Boom. But you know, I haven't watched that one in a long time, so I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I'm just. What really, the one thing that I really kept harping on was character motivation. Mm hmm. I don't believe why Batman is doing what he's doing. I don't believe why Lex Luthor is doing what he's doing. They're just doing it to do it. You know what I mean? Like because they, the script said so. Yeah, they became devices of their own story mm -hmm. rather than uh, the driver of it. Because I feel like Batman, the world's greatest detective, could have put oh. like point A to point B oh, together and gosh. figured out, okay, maybe this isn't such... This is more than what it appears to be mm -hmm. or whatever. And... It didn't make any sense. It really didn't make any sense, TZ. Like, I, I know they kept, even like the whole, they they made a whole sequence in order to explain the destruction at the end of Man of Steel yeah. to, to help motivate Batman and kind of drive him uh, with his anger, with his resentment towards um, to, to, Superman totaling that Gotham building or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that was never brought up ever again. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just sitting here wondering, like, even they, even the characters wondered at the end of the fight, like, "What? Why did we do this in the what, first place?" What, yeah, when, and apparently when... it was it was Martha. It was just Martha. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. you can end any fight <laughs> with Martha. I'm gonna kill you. What's your mama's name? <laughs> Yo, mine is too, dog. Okay. Why I made them that, I don't know. Look, um, the Man of Steel opening yeah. from Bruce's perspective was actually I I thought okay. Aside from re-showing us the murder again and the floating with the bat situation, where I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what is this? But that sequence from the human point of view of mm. Bruce hauling ass out there, that was pretty neat. Although I did talk to someone who thought he was running to save his dad, that he was on the phone with his father. Oh, yeah. And I was like, no, 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 that was just some coworker. <laughs> that wasn't pretty rad. But no, it yeah. was. But that, that sequence and seeing it in the human way and seeing Batman kind of like, Oh, it's on now. Mm. Like, not a bad start. Yeah, like I, it set the it set the start high. But you're right. Batman's greatest power isn't his physical kickassery. Mm. It isn't his gadgetry. It's his brain. Yeah. He's the world's greatest detective. Mm. So you take that away, and yeah, that is a person that would murder people. <laughs> I, I said this on Doctor Odyssey. Uh, uh, Cruz, the host of the show, was saying like, I think we need a Batman who kills. I think I think we're in a place in in history and time where that's what we need. And I was like, that's the Punisher. That <laughs> is is Arrow. Like mm. there are other characters who murder, mm. who kill the bad guys. Yeah, and they are held at a regard. Batman has is at a higher. He's smart enough to get out of any situation where death isn't the option. Faking his death is an option. <laughs> Faking another person's murder is the option. Mm. He has done that before. Stephanie, uh, spoiler, um, her name is spoiler, not that I'm making a spoiler. <laughs> in the comics, Robin's girlfriend, in order to protect her, he got her quote unquote killed mm. and had to, and she had to stay killed for a period of time yeah. until it's like, oh, surprise, she's not dead. <laughs> yeah. But his, you take away his brain and his detective ability and his intellect, mm. and sure, yeah, that's a that's a bully mm. that's gonna beat someone up. That could be any thug in a mask. <laughs> that's why that's what separates him from everyone else is his ability to keep himself in check, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. keep himself from crossing that line. That's 
one of the greatest that's why batman is such a great morality tale is because he can kill but he chooses not to and why because there's this strong ethical moral code within him to not cross that line yeah because then yeah. he's no different than the criminals he, he breaks he'll break laws galore but <laughs> he won't break that one rule Absolutely. and you know what you could say the same thing about superman yeah superman has killed in the comics mm. but it is his absolute 100 percent last option yeah it is not his first option it's not his 50th option yeah. <laughs> it is the line must be drawn here mm. and i will die or they will die. Like that's yes. that is the death of Superman comic book, which to this day kind of holds up. Mm. Everything leading up to it and everything that follows is not great, but the actual death of Superman comic and and you get to see how Superman. Oh God, that have you read Death of Superman at least recently? Not like, recently. His his morals and his loyalty to life and mankind mm. is shown perfectly over the course of that that six seven issue story hmm. and that superman isn't in this movie this is a, the first scene in this movie that's him he, lois is being held captive he oblit he pulverized it he <laughs> threw he w- took that guy he's that guy's p- pulp he killed that guy didn't give a shit and on top of that you couldn't come like 10 seconds earlier and save jimmy olsen's ass did you? <laughs> and which by the way i did not know it was jimmy olsen neither until did I. mentioned later yeah why throw away such an iconic character well you, you know what I mean? zach snyder's zach snyder said there, and i'm paraphrasing but it's relatively to the point of mm. we didn't have room for another character in this big cinematic universe we're creating so i thought i'd have some fun and do something with him that had never been done before and you know what on top of that knowing that now knowing that a War journalist Jimmy Olsen, CIA operative. Hmm. I want that Jimmy Olsen. That is a, that is a great character that he created and immediately killed. Can you imagine? And this is from my friend Jim Brzezelk, who's a who's a great uh, writer. He's a very uh, smart, nerdy dude. Hmm. He he appro- like proposed this. That can you imagine if Jimmy and Lois had been witness to the Doomsday fight at the end? Yeah. To get that human perspective mm. through Jimmy's lens, watching that thing go down. You could have killed Jimmy in the end. Yeah. Like that would have been emotionally like uh <laughs> <laughs> that'd have been pretty powerful. And I think all these things, all these points that we're bringing up in this discussion mm-hmm. further proves Zack Snyder does not care about Superman. Nor does he understand him. Like I think this is a build up for him to mm-hmm blow his bat wad basically because <laughs> i mean this is this is such a bat heavy movie mm-hmm. and i feel superman has become like secondary in his own story yeah uh i mean the title is batman v superman yeah not superman v batman it's <laughs> batman first absolutely and the the one thing that really bothered me about superman this um this story was he had no control over anything he was such a clueless you know, drone, mm-hmm. I feel like. There there was no, he had no power over anything, even though this is the most powerful man in the universe. He was so easily mani- manipulated. Batman was or Superman was? Superman. Okay. So easily swayed, um, so easily pulled into things where he could have easily just maybe punched his way out. <laughs> and I just feel like that and the Jimmy Olsen thing and the fact that actually I read that Jesse Eisenberg originally auditioned to be Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. But then Zack Snyder kind of noticed like his quirky, like <laughs> just strange personality in real life. He's like, "Huh, this guy could make it for an interesting Lex Luthor." What do you think? Said producer. And then they kind of just on the spot casted him as Lex Luthor just because he was eccentric. 
You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, Jesse Eisenberg is a capable. I think Jesse Eisenberg. I think Ben Affleck, Amy Adams, Lawrence Fishburne. They're better than this material. This is an Oscar caliber cast. <laughs> and Jeremy Irons. Yeah, 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 and they're Oscar winners in this cast, Golden yeah. Globe winners in this cast, and they're better than the material. And mm. and yeah, he has a Superman can hear Lois's heartbeat in the middle of a doomsday fight underneath a piece of concrete, some water drowning, but or he can hear her in trouble in Afghanistan, but he can't hear a bomb in a wheelchair. <laughs> it's because he wasn't looking for a TZ. Right, and there's another thing. You know, I think Jonathan Kent is, uh, Kevin Costner, Jonathan Kent is one of the worst cinematic fathers. <laughs> and, you know, and they doubled down, Don, doubled down. Martha... Kent's sorry yeah. not to be confused with the other one hmm. Martha Kent is implicit in raising that Superman poorly yeah and that she's like you know you know mom maybe I didn't maybe I didn't hear because I didn't want to that's a powerful statement hmm. her response was you don't know them anything <laughs> no enabler enabler, enabler. <laughs> I'm just confused to what okay I think Rudy Superman, there is something to be said about that narrative. Mm -hmm. I think in the context of today's reality with it being very hyper-violent, with it being very, you know, we're becoming disenfranchised with, like, the government and, Mm -hmm. like, bigger uh, authority figures and all that stuff. And I feel like Superman could be very representative of these themes and this disillusionment if told properly. You know what I mean? Like, I think there is something interesting to be said about the most powerful man in the world who chooses not to be powerful anymore. But that's not explored at all. It's like, it's barely hinted just to to hint to say, hey, it was there, Mm -hmm. but we didn't do enough of it to make it interesting. The, there, there's, there's a, there should be two sides of the story. Mm. There should be Batman's perspective on, you have too much power, I'm human, you're a thing to be feared, I'm going to stop you. This is how the world works. And then there should be Superman's perspective of, I'm of you. I'm from Kansas. And he says says something similar to that in Man of Steel. Mm. But he's still on Batman's side of the line. There's not a clear divide between the... It's it's the same coin. They're supposed to both be heroes and approaching things differently. That's why Batman and Superman have always been interesting counterpoints to Mm. each other. Because they're trying to accomplish the same thing through very different means. Yeah. I, I really, really hope that we see that in Civil War. I mm. want to see a very clear motivational difference between Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, mm. and I want to have trouble figuring out who to root for. Yes. Like, they, they both should be right. They both should be wrong. Mm. And this man, the Batman v. Superman, they both feel wrong. Yeah. <laughs> this Batman is the Donald Trump of superheroes. Oh. Oh, no, I don't know about that. I... I firmly believe this. This movie is the Donald Trump of superhero movies. That too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I, I, this is what I wanted to save. Mm. Okay, because here we are ranting like a couple of fanboys who just can't let go of Christopher Reeve, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, and all the animated stuff. <laughs> that's that's what we are right now, yes. right? But this this is the fact of the matter, mm. and 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 this may change. But right now, two weeks away, two weeks after what has happened, the critical response. The fan response, the the vitriol, and the argument that's been taking place online, which is the most annoying thing. Mm-hmm. I like having these conversations, but at the same time, it's just a movie, and I re- I realize that, and I don't need to. There's other things we can be raising the torch against. <laughs> this is the new Phantom Menace. Ooh. 
that is you know what i would here's the thing i i agree <laughs> maybe in quality but i don't think it will have the lasting impact to say 10 20 years from now we're gonna still regard this as the phantom menace of this generation <laughs> because due to like like we say, the accessibility of technology is enabling us to produce so many movies. Yeah. That means more and more garbage. I think we're going to forget about this movie in a year. I forgot about it already until, like, oh, I had to prepare for the cast. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, like, I I think it wasn't bad enough for me to be offended because I already knew there's no way it's going to be mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Maybe it could be at least enjoyable. But I think it's at at... At best, it is forgettable. Um, they do so many things where I feel like a novice, novice Batman, novice Superman fan would try to understand or try to wrap their mind around these characters. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like they've done anything so egregious to where I was like, <laughs> that is it, WB. Okay, <laughs> then then okay. Yeah. You know what? I'll take it back. It's not the Phantom Menace. It's Quantum of Solace. Okay. I, I think I'm getting more on board. In so much as, oh, man, yeah. I'm bumping my microphone here. In so much as that it is an epilogue to Man of Steel, hmm. um, which isn't, I would never compare Man of Steel to Casino Royale, <laughs> just, for the, <laughs> just, just for the record. Um, that is, no, that's egregious. <laughs> no, that's offensive. <laughs> but it's that, it's that kind of, that semi incoherency. The, hmm. there, there is, I, I will be fair. There's some cool stuff in this movie. I yeah. wish I could nitpick the cool stuff. I, God help us, I will watch that three-and-a-half-hour version that Zack Snyder originally wanted. The R-rated one? <laughs> Whatever his original cut was, because yeah. I, there's just so many holes. There's so many unexplained. Like, the dreams within a dreams, the, the, the dark side takeover Mad Max world waking mm-hmm. up, and it's the Flashpoint... Um, uh, the flashpoint uh, paradox flash uh, lois lane's the key <laughs> and then that's a dream yeah like, just drop the v and call it bs <laughs> <laughs> oh Cause, all right because that's what it is because i mean like i think i think we come to the point especially in superhero films or comic book films in general especially watching uh the walking dead recently i, mm-hmm. I won't go into it and spoil anything because i know you haven't I've watched it, it. Yeah. um well, we come to the point where there's exploration of these characters and there's exploitation. Ooh. I feel like the first two seasons of Walking Dead was a commentary on violence mm-hmm. in today's most incredibly violent society. And from then on, it became a celebration of violence. You know, it became, who's going to die next type of thing. And I feel like BVS falls in the line of exploitation of these characters. Yes, Zack Snyder loves these characters to a degree to a very superficial degree and i feel like he's celebrating what makes them cool rather than exploring what makes them tick because i think there is like you said really cool elements about batman and how he's disillusioned disenfranchised about certain things Mm -hmm. and very cool elements of superman where he is he's so powerful but he's not in control i think those are very cool narratives but then again we just get two and a half hours of incoherent fight scenes and <laughs> you know how we hate dream sequences and flashbacks especially when they don't explain anything like that flashpoint paradox thing i don't know if it was solely just for the fans or whatever but if i was just watching that as a regular moviegoer who had no idea what the flashpoint paradox was and even then i was like what the hell was that <laughs> i was so confused because just story flow wise mm-hmm. 
it didn't add anything to the current narrative stream. It didn't add anything. It didn't help me understand Batman at the moment either. And I, yeah. I don't think, I don't think Bruce Wayne even understood that what was <laughs> happening to him. And it just, it was just like brushed off. You know, I was just confused to why that was there. That could have been a stinger. That could have been literally anywhere else except in the movie. You know, <laughs> was, like I don't get it. <laughs> there was too much time spent on the world building and yeah. none of time spent on just the story <laughs> mm, absolutely so the so okay so clearly you know mm. i i say you should see the movie i think you should oh, yeah. see the movie i think i'm not saying it's the worst movie ever made i'm not saying it's the worst superhero movie ever made i don't even think it deserves the 28 percent it has on rotten tomatoes right now <laughs> i think it's better than that uh, and i think it's worth worth seeing to have a conversation about yes that's it's it's a perfect c movie that's a that's a c there's something there yeah there's and, something there and uh you know I'll, i can sit here and rant and rave about all the, all the nitpicky things and, mm. and not nitpicky things, the, the very direct things that need <laughs> yeah. to be picked at but at in the end it exists now mm. and it's something that it's worth talking about and that's that's a success in its own way yeah to be able to have a conversation about it conversations about it to have lengthy conversations about it yeah that's a success in its own way i do oppose i do pose a question for you Ooh, okay. this is something that's been floating around a little bit do you think the whether mild success or failure of this film depending on what your viewpoint is say failure do you think it's enough to destroy the dcu like do they start rethinking okay should we Scrap plans? Should mm -hmm. we re-alter things? Do we get rid of Zack Snyder? Well, they've already re-altered things because mm -hmm. they called in reshoots for Suicide Squad. Really? Now, now it was just a couple days ago, reports came in yeah. that Suicide Squad is going under reshoots to, quote, make it more fun. Okay? <laughs> that apparently all the jokes that we saw in, that, in the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer, mm -hmm. that was all the jokes. Wow. Okay. So then this is just reports. Now now some of the reports say, "Oh no, 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 the reshoots were scheduled anyway because there was some like scheduling issues with some of the actors. The, mm -hmm. These reshoots have been planned." I say bull. Yeah. I say that yeah, they saw the critical response to Batman Superman and they're worried how that's going to affect Suicide Squad. Yeah. Now, Wonder Woman's underway, like they are they have been filming. Justice League starts filming this week. Okay, so if there's any sort, if there's any sort of reevaluating re that needs doing, yeah. they better be damn well doing it right now. Yeah, because if Justice League is already on its way with the script that they're gonna film with, and then they start changing it during filming, mm. that's just gonna be more of a disaster. Bone City. Yeah, and uh, there's reports that no, it was initially gonna be a Flash movie mm. and a Cyborg movie, but uh, I can't remember, I'm sorry, I'm gonna forget the. The name of who, which producer? It was one of the women. Um, oh, it was um, Snyder, uh, not Zack Snyder, but Kathleen Snyder, maybe. Is it his wife? Yeah, the, Deborah Snyder. Deborah Snyder. Thank yeah. you. She said uh, she's really looking forward to the Flash movie mm. because Ezra Miller's so funny and so much fun, and he plays really well off of Cyborg. Mm. So, giving hints that okay, maybe the Cyborg movie isn't happening now, and Cyborg and Flash is going to be one movie. Maybe I don't know. It's but it's it's scrambling. It's yeah. scrambling. So is this enough to destroy the DC universe? No, but it is enough for them to 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 ask what the hell are we doing wrong? But the question <laughs> is though. The question is, will they have the brains mm. 
to find the right person to be Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Feige, Feige, however you say his name, the Marvel guy. No they vision. They don't have a singular vision for these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Wan is talking, he's doing uh, Aquaman. Yes. And he's saying like, you know, this character, people make fun of him a lot, but no, we're going to have some fun with him and he's going to be a badass. Mm-hmm. And they keep, all the all the uh, the talking points. I always make sure you say fun. Make sure you say funny. Like, <laughs> Buzzword. It's. I've been defending uh, the DC cinematic universe for a while because mm-hmm. I really want these characters to succeed, and I know you do too. I do. Uh, we're Batman and Superman guys at the end of the day, <laughs> and it's like it breaks my heart to say these things out loud. Like I don't <laughs> want to hate Batman, but this iteration of Batman makes me hate the character oh so much because of the values that he stands for. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I'm hearing all these reports now, like, it just makes so much sense that they don't... It's not that they don't know what they're doing. I'm sure they're very capable, competent filmmakers, but they don't give a damn about these characters, DC. They're treating it like any other B-list 90s action movie. Like, badass, fun, I don't care. How about a good Aquaman movie, okay? Like, that's a, there's a legitimate character there. And I think making him, like, Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander, played by Jason Momoa, that's such a cool idea. And he looks so cool in that little tease that we saw in yeah. the movie, too. So there is potential there for a good movie. And especially since James Wan, I feel like he's a very capable action director. Yes, he is. And... I don't know, DC, like, what are they doing? What, what, these... I feel like, what, what happened to Jeff Johns being the shepherd of all these right. properties? He's busy making the TV stuff so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are the three most important superhero figures of all time. Mm-hmm. I will say it. You know, you can argue with me. You can say Spider-Man. You can say Wolverine if you want. You can say Captain America. <laughs> but no, worldwide, in the pop cultural zeitgeist that is superheroes, mm-hmm. Batman and Superman Wonder Woman are the most important. Absolutely the most if, recognizable. If these current three are our current Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, I'll take Wonder Woman out of the equation. Mm. Batman, Superman, if these are our current Superman and Batman, what does that say about us? Oh, man. You see, I, I thought this was a great discussion point because someone brought it up in a review saying... Our characters, especially, you know, classic superhero of the superhero pantheon that have existed for years, have constantly been reinterpreted and reincarnated to reflect the times, reflect the social issues. Mm-hmm. And I and I absolutely agree. But you don't change them to kind of fit into the mold of us or whatever. You you use them in a way to you to to hold the mirror to us, you know what I mean? And to reflect and discuss these issues. And I feel like just because we live in violent times, we don't make Superman and Batman violent. That doesn't make any sense, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we've gone through we've gone through super violent times. Like the seventies, like the the crime waves that happened during that time, I thought Batman was a perfect that's like when Batman was most prominent was the seventies and the nineties and pre now. the pre Adam West Batman. Yeah. The, the dark times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The the reaction to the Vietnam era and the seventies era is how we got Dark Knight Returns. Absolutely. <laughs> and it made so much sense then. And he wasn't and he still didn't murder then. <laughs> you know what I mean? He crossed the line a yeah, lot. Like but. there's an amazing scene in Dark Knight Returns where Joker and him are facing off and Joker's like kill like you gotta do it. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't do it, can you? You even after everything that I have done, you still can't do it. Yeah. And 
Joker laughs and laughs and laughs and breaks his own neck and kills himself in Batman's hands as Batman's trying to stop him. Mm. And that scene is horrifying, <laughs> but says so much about Batman. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, such an incredible moment. But here's the thing. The Batman we have now, what's to stop him from killing the Joker? Yeah, like, I feel like that's a simple solution for Ben Affleck's Batman yeah. now. <laughs> what's the difference between him and Red Hood? Yeah. Well, I won't go into spoiler territory with, but the whole mm-hmm. difference between Batman and Red Hood is Red Hood kills. Yeah. Batman does not. Hmm. But that's not the case anymore. I, I feel like... This Batman is so unhinged. That's why I call him the Donald Trump, because like he he works, he gives in to his impulses rather than kind of channeling inner strength to hold himself back in order to use his actual skills, like his mental power, his mental prowess, and his detective abilities. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, the the line where he's where he tells Alfred, if there's even a single one percent chance that he could be our enemy, we must take absolute measure to stop him or whatever. That is so. Out of character, it is Do you know who said ridiculous. that? Do you know who said that? Who said that, TC? Dick Cheney. That Oh, that's what you said. Yep. Um, so, uh, so word for her word, that's Dick Cheney. That's a Dick Cheney quote. Oh. oh. In, in discussing the, 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 the Afghani war we went into. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to lighten things up one more okay. time. There's another great moment in the movie. Okay. Okay. When Batman and Superman are finally fighting, yeah, and he's got the kryptonite. Superman's got kryptonite in his face, and he's mm-hmm. weak. And Batman's punching him in the face, right? And he's like, thunk, boom, boom, thunk, thunk, kink, 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 kink. <laughs> and like it goes from Superman taking the hits to the kryptonite wearing off, and suddenly it's like he's punching a wall. Yeah, that's kind of a neat moment. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was really rad. neat moments. There are neat moments in the movie. <sighs> I, I, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I'm getting like so flustered that I'm getting. Uh, my wires are short circuiting. <laughs> but yes, there are really great neat moments to look at, but as you process it more and more, I particularly myself, I question why they were there. Like like this fight is really cool to watch. It's mm-hmm. really adrenaline pumping. There's really neat moments. Batman moves like Batman. That's that's something we haven't seen in any of the live action adaptations. Batman kicking ass even yes. if he's, you know, Killing ass, too. <laughs> He's killing ass. <laughs> but and then early in the movie, he had the girl, and the and he was hitting on Wonder Woman. He's crushing ass. <laughs> sorry, I can, I can what were you saying? I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just question why any of this was here. Like the the fight between Batman and Superman. This was supposed to be the thing you were looking forward it's to. The this title was, of the movie, absolutely, and it was supposed to be the one thing that drove the entire narrative of this story. Mm-hmm. But once we got there. I'm just left wondering why. You know what I mean? Like, there's no satisfaction seeing Batman and Superman punching the hell out of each other. There are two other movies that they could have used as some sort of template to lead up to the throwdown, right? Mm. Any sequel Rocky movie, right? Rocky (laughs) Four in particular, to see the two sides coming together to clash, right? Mm. Or Fast and the Furious 4. Fast and Furious 4. This is the one with the jailbreak. It's it yes, it's the one where Paul Walker and Vin Diesel reunited for the first time. Okay, gotcha. And both of them were going after Braga, the villain Braga, mm. right? But they were they were running parallel the whole time until they finally met. Yes. And then they clashed 
until they realized they were fighting for the same thing, mm. and then they begrudgingly worked together to get to the end of the movie. Buddy cop movie. And then by the end of the movie, yeah. they realized that they were truly on the same side and friends. Yes. That's the plot. That should be the plot. That's a. Gr- that's the plot. That should be the plot to BVS. But no, yeah. it wasn't. It that's was... little, that is literally <laughs> the plot to every great Batman Superman story, mm-hmm. World's Finest, or um, the the animated one. Um, I'm, I'm blanking, but like uh, Apocalypse was one of them. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, Superman Batman Public Enemies. That's yes. what that one is. All those yeah. animated ones. It's. <laughs> You're, you're I, I'm, speechless. I'm short-circuiting you're right short-circuiting. Right. <laughs> uh, well, just, look. Yeah. I I think that uh, we've we've certainly said a portion of our piece. We mm. have so much more we could say about Ooh, this. Ooh, I know. Yeah. I got a good point, talking point. So, <laughs> so um, Zack Snyder hates women, by the way. And what was there anything in this film where you saw that was so outrageous where it further fed into that? said theory about Zack Snyder not appreciating his appreciating female characters. Well, I mean, he's Lois Lane is one of the worst incarnations of Lois Lane ever, mm. but Martha is even worse. Oh, but my God. That did, was so... did we really need both of them kidnapped? So depressing. Yeah. Like, we didn't need them both kidnapped. Yeah. I mean, he threw Lois off a building and had Martha bound and gagged. Mm. I would have loved a moment where, like, Superman would have, like, Lex would have been, like, taunting him, and Superman just would have grabbed him by the throat, right? Mm. Which the Superman would have. And Lex would be like, ah, 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 you can't do it. <laughs> I have your, your mom. And then Clark just would have, like, tilted his head and listened and then looked at Lex, let him go. <laughs> Saved his mom and came back and was like, nah, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, <laughs> Why didn't he do that? Because, like, I thought the entire time maybe they lined where she, uh, where they held her captive, maybe they lined the walls of lead or something. Lead, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't even established in the movies. So this is why True. it doesn't make any sense. Because yeah, yeah. like, he's just he's just a big pawn, you know, mm-hmm. so easily manipulated. My buddy Eric made a point when yeah. I made the the wheelchair argument, mm. he, and he said, "Well, you know, maybe the wheelchair was made of lead." I'm like, "Well, that means he couldn't see through it. Doesn't yeah. mean he can't hear through it." <laughs> You're right. See, <laughs> further not making sense. <laughs> but, but you were you were going for a point. What is the egregious error that uh, towards women that was made here? Yeah. Here's the thing. Like I know everyone's celebrating Wonder Woman and how great she is. It, uh, and I will say, in action, she is awesome. Yes. That is Wonder Woman in action. Holy shit! That Especially was so when good. she's like hooting and hollering and just like jumping up and yeah. flying around with a sword. And she like, like yes, just launching herself through the air with a sword in hand. Oh man! So and why not give her the spear? God damn it! She can just... <laughs> anyway, anyway. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> All right. So yes, yes. So that people are praising Wonder Woman, but mm-hmm. but there are so many other. I feel like. Great female characters who exude strength, but it doesn't have to be physical strength. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? This is where we kind of... Come, I think this is where Zack Snyder comes to a misunderstanding about how to portray strength in all human forms. It doesn't have to be physical, you know? Like, Lois consistently is a damsel in distress. Yeah. They made Martha, who is such an important matriarchal figure... <laughs> In Superman's life. And I feel like Ava St. Marie yes. and um, Superman Returns. Superman Returns. And from the original 1977 Superman. Yes. Yep. Uh, I mean, she plays such a small part in Superman Returns, but I thought it was such a pivotal, such a nice moment that was needed to ex- to further expand Superman's history and lore and his own character. Mm-hmm. I thought she could have served a bigger purpose. Or if not, don't even have her there. You know, she was there literally to be devices. They were used, you know, they were used pieces to be 
to kind of further this non-existent story. You know what I mean? Like it didn't. What's the old thing? If you can replace a woman with a lamp, if you can replace a female character with a lamp, sexy, uh, sexy lamp, se- with a sexy lamp, <laughs> they are terrible. They are terribly represented women. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having Lois on this wild goose chase with the the bullet thing. I mean, it was it was nothing. Like, what did that have to do with anything with the overall encompassing part of the story? It was just to lead her to that building mm-hmm. so they could drop her off in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They, I feel like Lois Lane, outside of all the superpowered human beings in the superhero pantheon, she is one of the greatest comic book characters of all time. Absolutely, she is one of. Yeah, you're right. She's yeah. absolutely one of the most important. Um, and unfortunately, with the state of reality that we've we've developed in comics over decades, yeah, you know, she's also one of the biggest jokes. Uh, Clark Kent's disguise is one of the biggest jokes in comics. Yeah, like, oh, he's got glasses. Blah blah blah. <laughs> but you know, suspension of disbelief, the fantasy element of it. There's there needs to be something. I said this with Man of Steel. Mm. There needs to be a reason that of all the women on Earth, Clark wants to be with Lois. Yeah, she needs to be equal to him mm. on some level. Yeah, and I don't see that in Amy Adams. No, and Amy, I mean Amy Adams is a very competent. It's a well cast actress. She, she should is so good. That's what I said before. She's better than this. But I've never <laughs> seen her this bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a slew of other things that. Other female characters that I can't really name off the top of my head right now, but I mean, even even small things to like all the the, the way people of color are portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so throwaway moments that you don't even stop to think about it because there is so much bombarding you at oh. the time. But like all the all the Asian like you just you're... slaves that were jailed who were it, it was. It really reminded me of, like, 1980s filmmaking. You know what I mean? Like, it was Temple of Doom oh, all over again. Look, if you want to talk about the disrespect of not only female, but having an Asian main character in there, Mercy. Mercy Graves. Yeah. Who is what? a fantastic character. What and was that? She's a sexy lamp. She was a sexy lamp. You know what? And oh, we right. didn't even know she was Mercy. Yeah, I know, right? They didn't even mention she was Mercy. <laughs> How? And they kill her off, too. We should wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to finish with this. Okay, this, this comes from Jim as well, Jim Brazel. The the courtroom scene is Zack Snyder and David Goyer's final word on any conversation that's going to be had about Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. And the, the end of that conversation is a jar of piss, an explosion, and Superman standing there like an asshole. <laughs> Scoot McNary with his with his legs being being hurt and distraught and mm-hmm. just upset about the events of Man of Steel. Yeah. That's us. Holly Hunter, Senator Holly Hunter, another capable actress. She's um, she's the one who says, "Hey, let's have a conversation about this and figure this shit out, mm. right?" And all Superman needed to do was give a hero speech. That that would have changed everything if he would have just gave this this inspirational. Let me tell you like it is. I am a man who is super. That's who I am. That's what I'm here to do. Let me explain. But no, he just stood there. The room blew up. And he's just standing there looking sad. <laughs> with his pants down. With his pants down. <laughs> and, that, and that was Zack Snyder saying, conversation over. Conversation destroy, that's, yeah. That's all you get. That's all you get. That was and, such a Charlie Brown moment. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and you want to talk about misuse of mercy, to build her as a character in a very subtle, simple way mm. is to have her more of a presence, even if it's a wordless presence with Lex leading up to that moment. Mm. And... In, in the moment of him giving that speech and seeing in her eyes her suddenly seeing it his way. 
and realize and, and it would be a great acting moment to see that that actress have a moment of doubt and realizing she's on she, Lex is the wrong side of things that Superman might be and then when she has that moment of realization she could look at the wheelchair mm. and then Superman could see it and she could look at Superman and then it could blow up like in a heartbeat you know like that that just that moment of oh my gosh I've Boom! 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 Yeah. Like, and and to have all that realization happen, like, da da da, while Holly Hunter's talking, like, it would have been an incredible moment. When are we getting the TC Dewitt remake? <sighs> Should have, could have, would have. I guess you bring up you bring up awesome points, TC, and I totally agree with everything. So I guess to wrap everything up, I just feel even stepping away as a fan, the movie didn't make sense, and it didn't it did not do anything for me. It didn't add. Not only actually, it add added too much to the conversation. We already had a lot of complex issues, but it added more complex elements on top of it. And the thing for me was, I was going in there hoping to wrap things up with Man of Steel Mm -hmm. and to hopefully introduce something that made more sense for the rest of the DC universe. But it did nothing. It it didn't. uh, Sorry. Zack Snyder (laughs) just doubled down on everything. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing was wrapped up. Nothing was explained, and nothing was in, nothing interesting was introduced. So for me, it was a colossal failure, and I don't, I don't know. Offended is it's it's just beyond that now. Like they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and I just hope, hope to God, it made some sense <laughs> in the future. <laughs> well, with all that being said, and we will certainly have more conversation about this later. Yeah. Let's have a new discussion. Okay. I thought you said let's have a nudist discussion. Let's, let's have a nudist discussion. As everyone who listens to this cast consistently knows, pants are optional. Okay. No, but okay, you you threw this topic at me, mm. and you wanted to do a conversation about our favorite Superman and Batman movies. But please explain. Yes, and what I mean by that is not necessarily literal film adaptations of our most beloved characters, Batman and Superman, but taking elements and concepts of what makes us love these characters so much and maybe this will help us explain or help us illustrate why bvs was such a failure because it's been done it's been able these characters have been able to be interpreted in different mediums and different stories and done well Mm -hmm. and i think if we explore and discuss said movies we can try to figure out and piece together why bvs didn't work and how it could have worked Cool. Sorry, that was a really long-winded answer. No, 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 no. That, that's that's great. So yeah. we're gonna take a quick break here, and for those listening, maybe try to think about it. Think about that. What are some of your favorite Batman-like movies mm. that don't have Batman in it? That aren't Batman movies, but feel like Batman. What are some of your favorite Superman movies that aren't Superman movies? Think about that. Take a quick listen to this song. We'll be right back with our list. We're gonna do three and three, right? Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll be right back, everyone.
you're not a man. You're a chicken boo. I'm a chicken boo. <laughs> <laughs> Animaniacs just ended up on Netflix. We're very excited by it. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. How do I have 100 and almost 20 likes on my post about Animaniacs being on Netflix? <laughs> People got the 90s nostalgia fever, TC. <laughs> hey, you know, that cartoon's pretty amazing. It's pretty damn good. Okay. Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah, Batman <laughs> Superman. <laughs> All right, so you, you're up first here. So the, what is... Why is the cat meowing? Hold on a second. <laughs> is that a euphemism? All right, so we're starting with Batman, right? Batman. Okay, so Ben, what is your one of your favorite Batman movies that's not a Batman movie? All right. So just like I prefaced, I'm pulling elements and concepts that I really dig about Batman as a character, and these movies embody those elements the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. And first up on my list for best Batman movies without Batman... Mm-hmm. is The Prestige. Uh, this is 2006 is The Prestige, directed by Christopher Nolan. And I feel like Christopher Nolan was one of those guys who did not grow up as a comic book fan, did not grow up a Batman fan, but he did understand what embodied the man the best. And I feel like this was his audition. Uh, wait a minute. This was post-Batman this Begins. Best, okay, I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> but he... The elements of Batman and Bruce Wayne in particular... You can totally find in uh, uh, Hugh Jackman's character and mm-hmm. Christian Bale's character as rival magicians in uh, 17th century Victorian era. I, I think that's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Making that up. <laughs> but what what I really find fascinating about the psychological aspects of Batman and Bruce Wayne as a character is their obsession for not only perfection, human perfection, in terms of mastering the, the arts of the sciences, detective uh, work, crime fighting work, and uh, martial arts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you can find this obsession, particularly in both these rival magicians, as they try to perfect the one perfect trick to kind of take the reins as the best magician of all of England and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it, it starts out very much like we're doing it for good reasons. And then it takes a lot of dark turns to where these characters kind of forget why did we do this in the first place you know was it truly to be the best or is it to one up each other until the other one perishes <laughs> yeah is it to be the best or just to be better yeah than you and i totally wanted to get your thoughts on this uh tc because i picked this in particular because i find that some of the best batman stories are about like okay so i i did i set out to do this crime fighting thing so i could avenge my parents and honor their memory mm-hmm. but as you go along and you have those moral ethical quandaries about um, you know, do I kill? Do I cross the line here with the law enforcement? Whose side am I on? What am I anymore? You know, it, it starts to blur. It starts to conflict and confuse Batman and Bruce Wayne as a human, as a person, once these issues get involved. And, and then, you know, he questions, am I really doing this for my family or am I self-serving some sort of more self-centered purpose? You know, like, do I truly enjoy beating these criminals night in and night out with my bare fist? Is it some kind of <laughs> savage, sadistic inner need that I need to feed myself with? Mm-hmm. Or am I truly still at my core an avenger of my parents? Yeah. Well, you definitely picked a movie that shows how far an obsession can take someone. And once that obsession becomes the only thing that drives them, uh, Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman's character in particular, mm-hmm. he goes beyond the obsession. And one of the elements that makes Batman so frightening in the DC comics and, and to other heroes and sidekicks and villains is his obsession for crime fighting, his obsession to to never, ever give up, to 
to he has to control every situation. Some mm-hmm. of the best Justice League stories are about Batman taking shit too far. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the best Justice League stories is called Babel, mm-hmm. and it's is and they made it into a movie called War, I think. Uh, where Batman created fail-safes on how mm. to defeat every Justice League member. Yes. In the comic, Ra's al Ghul steals all those plans mm. and initiates all those plans. And in the, and and once the truth comes out, once Batman realizes, uh-oh, <laughs> uh, guys, this is my bad. Whoopsie! They, they, Justice League has a whole conversation about, like, Batman's gone too far. He is obsessed. Yeah. This is beyond crazy. Mm. This is lunacy. And they try to make a decision if they're going to vote to keep him in the Justice League or not. Yeah. And when Superman comes out to tell him the decision, he's gone. Yeah. Because he doesn't care. <laughs> because all he cares about is the mission, mm. the heroic mission that he is set upon. Mm. And, yeah, prestige is such a – that's a neat choice. I – there, there is a an Elseworlds Batman feel to it, like Batman in that Jack the Ripper era. Yeah, uh, what what was that called? Yeah, Gotham by Gaslight. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was a really neat story, neat interpretation of when Batman was in that Victorian era. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought about this now, actually. Uh, Christian Bale's character, they both kind of represent Batman and Bruce Wayne in a different light. And I think Christian Bale's character... Um, especially how spoiler alert if you haven't seen the prestige. if you haven't if you haven't <laughs> seen the prestige please jump ahead a couple minutes this yeah. is this is a movie you shouldn't spoil for yourself this is the only there's only two movies I've ever seen in theaters where I've immediately bought a ticket and seen it again and this is one of them damn Daniel so, so if you haven't seen the prestige please jump ahead just two minutes mm. in the podcast so yes. please absolutely and so uh, the twist of the prestige is Christian Bale plays two characters twin brothers that's how he's able to pull off this trick that requires two people Mm -hmm. on each side of a door and um i I think that really plays into the the masks that bruce wayne wears the playboy billionaire uh, eccentric playboy billionaire Mm -hmm. the um the man who's uh you know the, the the torn broken man who's on this mission to salt to fight crime and the bat who is the beast of the night and uh i think christian bale's not only commitment uh, to the role, but the character's commitment and, you know, willing to continue going through lengths to maintain continuity. Like cutting off a finger. <laughs> one guy loses a thumb, so the other cuts his off too, to, you know, uh, not uphold suspicion. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's such a neat element. Because I think Batman as a character, the great thing is, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> The great thing about his character is the exploration of these dual identities, mm-hmm. and um, and the lines that they cross to where you know who is who and who's the real man anymore. You know, is it just like as I alluded to earlier? Is it my need to beat these people to death uh, on every any given night, or is it am I truly doing this for the greater good? And you you kind of never know. You know, it could be either or mm-hmm. either night on the given night. So. And that's addressed pretty well in the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah. especially uh, Dark Knight Rises, mm. that when Alfred says, or well, he says it kind of in, in Dark Knight as well. It's like, you've yeah. gone too far. Mm. This is this is no longer about your mission. It's about you. Yeah. And it's changed you. Mm. So, yeah, the, the, the obsession angle, um, that'd be a good, yeah, I like that, good job. Prestige. The yeah. Prestige. Yeah. Seriously, if you haven't seen the movie, it's a damn good movie. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, any uh, any other thoughts on Prestige? <laughs> I guess just to wrap on the Prestige, um, 
I really dig that pick, not only because of the characterization that what makes me love Batman as a Batman fan, but also Chris Nolan's aesthetics that you oh, the can gothic see. imagery. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and like kind of the the modern, really almost even though the the Victorian England that is portrayed in the Prestige, you don't see that in um, in modern century Gotham, mm-hmm. um, but you can see kind of like. Uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> you like you're, you're talking about the aesthetic of Nolan, the 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 era itself is part of the cr- part of the character of yes. of characteristics of Batman. Absolutely, that, that yeah. dark, brooding, black and white, stark mm. imagery of uh, of, a, of a Victorian era, Gothic of a Gothic era. Absolutely, and what what makes this so great, and what makes his vision of Batman so great, is because they had a singular vision to drive this narrative behind. Um, this is why this is what I see lacking in the BVS mm-hmm. movie. Oh yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, because I, I know Zack Snyder's behind the wheel, but I feel like there's several hands on that wheel, mm-hmm. and there's not a clear, coherent vision that's really driving this character. Because the things that they do doesn't make any sense. And Christian Bale's Batman and Christopher Nolan's Batman, I feel I, I understand why he does the thing he does, do the things they do. Because even though I I may be conflicted morally or ethically. I understand what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. I understand their mission and their character because there is a clear, coherent uh, vision that's driving along these characters. You narratives. should be able to break a movie down. It should. It, the best movies you can break down to even a single word. Yeah. And prestige is obsession. Yes. And obsession is Batman. Mm-hmm. So, obsession. <laughs> obsession by it's, batman that sounds like a new cologne <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, should i give you my first one yeah okay so <clears throat> don't, don't don't cheat and look at my opinion all right so um if you know if batman had everything if he had it if it, let's take all the elements of batman his money his intellect his wit his his ability to play different versions of himself mm-hmm. right uh and his his obsession which we were just discussing about but there's also his thrill seeking he wouldn't really be doing this there wouldn't there, it's not in his character to be a lazy playboy mm. if his parents had never been killed right if his if he just got to grow up and be bruce wayne he wouldn't be a lazy playboy it's still within his character to want to be a thrill seeker to mm. want to do things he sh- to to go out into the world and have some sort of dual identity where spelunking he's... <laughs> <laughs> right so uh batman's uh, here I get my notes here. Okay, uh, he would be. He would be. Okay, Bruce is. Bruce has never become Batman. His parents never leave. He would not be a lazy playboy. He simply. It's not in his character. He may use his intellect and seek his thrills by being some sort of art thief. Ooh. So I've I've actually said this on the podcast more than once, which mm. is the Thomas Crown Affair starring Pierce Brosnan. Not the Steve McQueen one. Not the Steve McQueen one. <laughs> <laughs> the Thomas Crown affair starring Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Thomas Crown is a billionaire entrepreneur, philanthropist, mm-hmm. and he's bored. Yeah. And he's super intelligent, and he's very, very witty, and mm-hmm. he's very, very capable, and he uses all his charm and wit and and that desire for thrilling, uh, thrilling adventure, to steal art. Yes. And the Thomas Crown affair has a like a great jazzy soundtrack it's set in more or less modern new york city i mean it's from the night like 90s uh, era um early 2000s so it's a little dated now mm. but it still holds up pretty nice i actually just watched it um just a few months ago again for the first time in a while and i still watch it and go man this feels so much like 
that charming, cool Batman. Yeah. You know, you watch like like George Clooney at his surface should make a good Batman, but he's in a very terrible Batman movie. Mm. You know, Val Kilmer should probably have been he's actually a pretty good Bruce Wayne, but he's in a terrible movie. <laughs> you know? Even Michael Keaton has an element of Bruce Wayne about him that uh, it plays really well in Tim Burton's vision of things. Yeah. Christian Bale, when he's acting Bruce, mm. and even Ben Affleck, when he's acting Bruce, is Thomas Crown. Mm. And I could totally see Batman in the Thomas Crown affair. Absolutely. Um, have you seen the Thomas Crown affair? I have a long time ago. Okay. I think when it came out, so I don't really remember too much, but I can remember Pierce Bronson being that silky smooth guy that we're all known to love him as a Remington Steel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, the movie is very, it's it's clever, mm. and it's about the intellect and the one-upsmanship that, that Pierce's character, Thomas Crown, is having with the law. Yeah. And, and he's really, what it comes down to is he has fun in breaking the law, mm. and he's not hurting anybody by doing that. Yeah. Uh, but the big key element in the movie that I think plays well to elements of Batman that aren't explored very well is his relationships. Uh, because his thrill-seeking and being an art thief, Thomas Crown's thrill-seeking, hurts his relationships with the people around him. Yeah. And the more he wants to be connected to somebody, such as Rene Russo's the lo- who plays the female love interest in the movie, who is his equal intellectually, the more he wants to be on like close to her the less he wants to lie, mm. but the more he has to because she's investigating the crimes that he's committed. And Batman's relationship with Commissioner Gordon, with Harvey Dent before he became Two-Face, uh, with Alfred, with the Robins, with Batgirl, like his human relationships are, when they're explored, they're they're painful. Yeah. And you can see that in, uh, we'll say, we'll say um, Vicki Vale in Tim Burton's. It'd be easy to go to Christian Bale, but we'll say with Michael Keaton, you can see... Uh, the problems he has in his relationship with Vicki Vale. It's very cartoonish yeah. in Tim Burton's version. Uh, we could go to Mask of the Phantasm, mm. which also deals with how do you continue to live the thrill-seeking, dangerous life you have, Bruce, and <laughs> and want to have a relationship that could potentially lead to marriage mm. with a woman and still lie to her. That It's the dual, it's the dual identities yeah. uh, and the relationships that make this movie feel very Batman-y to me. Mm. And your thoughts, sir? Yes, no, that's a fabulous choice. And I always love, I think having a charming lead is not enough to sell a movie. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, That's why those latter Batmans didn't work that you mentioned with Val Kilmer and George Clooney. I'm yeah, sure they're... A, you gotta have a charming script, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm sure they could have worked very well as Batmans, but the thing is, you're right. They didn't flesh out or explore these other complicated matters that make Batman or Bruce Wayne Batman Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. and I think um, I, I can't attest to this because I don't remember Thomas Crown Affair too mm-hmm. well but I believe you when you say that those elements work in that movie The there was a chance for Jeremy Irons and BVS to kind of get this down to Batman versus mm-hmm. Superman there was never that Alfred moment now every every one of the Nolan Batman movies has an Alfred moment where Alfred is the vo- the conscience and the voice of reason his mm-hmm. his only father his only parental figure that grounds him and says hey let's let's take a moment here let yeah. me give you some life lesson that you I will be your mentor and your vo- your Jiminy Cricket for a split second here mm-hmm. and it usually gives Batman some sort of vision of things yeah uh and that human relationship father-son aspect uh, that's important to batman Mm -hmm. that's why the bat family is so damn good yeah 
even even at DC Comics worst, Batman's always going to be the best mm-hmm. because it has such a complex relationships between his sidekicks and his friends and his family and his villains. Rogues Gallery. Yeah, yeah. and we can get into villain conversation on a, on a subsequent uh, aspect here. But so there you go, Thomas Crown Affair, my my favorite, one of my favorite Batman movies. Well, fabulous choice, sir. <laughs> I always thought Batman would make a good addition to any heist movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what Dark Knight is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go uh, ahead. What's your second one? So my second choice is I, just to actually overlap on this conversation here, it's about more about the relationships and Batman, or not even Batman, just Bruce Wayne's upbringing. Um, I think what makes the man great is his surrounding cast and how he was raised, even though his parents were brutally murdered. He did have those mentor figures. He did have those figures he looked up to like um uh, alfred commissioner gord and lucius fox um dr leslie Tompkins. Mm. it's great having these people around him because it centers him it allows him to you know uh, shape his identity without having to figure it out on his own because if he had to do everything on his own i don't think he would be the man he would be he would mm. probably be a villain <laughs> so um just to focus on the mentor mentor uh relationship i picked Leon the Professional. Ooh, all right. Yeah, and, and how I kind of rationalized this was, uh, this is 1994, Leon the Professional is directed by Luc Besson, better known as for The Family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fifth Element, Transporter, yeah. Taken. The Femme Nikita, <laughs> the good ones. <laughs> but um, I thought this was an excellent 90s action movie that had a lot of heart to it, and... Um, Gene Reno, who plays an aging hitman who mm-hmm. comes across and stumbles upon this 14-year-old girl who I believe her parents were murdered. Played by Natalie Portman. Played by Natalie Portman. I think this was one of her first movies. This is her breakout role right here. Yeah. it was, and it, It's a brilliant but so simple exploration of a relationship between a mentor and mentor. Yeah, hitter. very Batman and Robin. I like this one. Yeah. This is good. I even I attune it to... Um, Alfred and young Bruce, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, Alfred always had that mysterious military background. I thought, always thought this would, it would be really cool if it played out like this. And I think Alfred would is the central character to the Bruce Wayne narrative because he is necessary in grounding him as a good guy and and giving him his morals and ethics. Because uh, with without him, I I could definitely see Batman solely becoming an Avenger rather than. You know, a per- a person who stood for justice. Not not on the Avengers. You not on say. the Avengers. Someone who seeks vengeance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would the, become the, the Punisher. Punisher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And um, and, and this movie is it's great because there's there's action. There's a great villain and Gary Oldman. Oh my God, Gary Oldman. He is, he is so <laughs> Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> it's Commissioner Gordon like you've never seen him before. <laughs> but uh, what I like about this movie is. Even though it's a 90s action movie, it's a very quiet 90s action movie. There's mm-hmm. great moments where they're Natalie Portman and Gene Reno are gardening, and they're just talking about the the kind of the moral quandaries that it comes with killing somebody. Because Natalie Portman is very curious about his profession. He's an assassin. He's an assassin. He's a hitman, and so it's not they they kind of have a little like I don't want to say montage, but a se- series of events where. He kind of teaches her his ways, but I don't I don't know if he's grooming her necessarily to be an assassin, but he is they kind of bond over this kind of very dark profession. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really fascinating to explore, especially because 
Natalie Portman, I feel like, is a very precocious character, as I feel a young Bruce Wayne would be, because you know he went through very traumatic events to where you can't be a kid anymore in this world. Mm-mm. You have to grow up very fast. And, and she's smoking. She's a she, and he tries to get her to quit smoking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is so great. Yeah, and I, I think this is a very fascinating uh, dynamic between Natalie mm-hmm. Portman and Leon, and it parallels well with. Um, Young Bruce Wayne and a younger Alfred. I as can well. see that, yeah, and it's it's street, it's street yeah. level. It's it's learning how to become the professional. It's mm. learning how to become the Batman, yeah, or the Batgirl in her case, yeah. Uh, and I and you you say Alfred and Bruce, but I will even put it onto the Dick Grayson Bruce relationship as oh, well, because yeah. mm. when you think of Bruce, kind of went through a terrible thing in order to uh, relate to a young Dick and mm. his terrible thing. It's much like Leon and blank on her name madeline uh, uh, natalie portman's character Ma- matilda matilda yeah <laughs> <laughs> i knew it started with him. um yeah that's a great choice and the there is a comic booky element to it it yeah. has a very lone wolf and cub like it's very to, pulp yeah, yeah oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. to, to, to see a a hardened gangster criminal fighting goofy criminals like gary oldman mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but having a teenage sidekick yeah absolutely <laughs> very batman mm, very batman yeah. Even if he is killing. But we're not discussing that element of it. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. <laughs> He's not Batman, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, uh, how... And that's something that Batman versus Superman, again, didn't didn't explore. It's that rel- the relationships. Yeah, the... Because... People always... I feel like the one of the biggest faults anyone makes when approaching superheroes like mm. Superman and Batman is the man element of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you focus on the super and you focus on the, the powers mm. and what they are in their cape. Yeah. You know, you, people, some of the, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah. That's been said time and again, and not enough people explore that. Mm. We underestimate the kind of the humanity within these characters. It's what makes them not only tick, but how we understand them mm-hmm. and their motivations. Because well, I, I keep bringing up, like, things don't make sense. Well, they don't make sense to me because they don't explain it on a human level. You know, I can't watch three hours of super people being super because i'm not a super person myself so i'm not going to understand that life you just need one (laughs) moment where everyone's trying to lift thor's hammer exactly you need one moment where you're discussing adding the new baby's room (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that that grounds it yeah puts it into a human like you mentioned with the courtroom stuff if uh, mercy and um, superman looking at each other it takes a glance Mm -hmm. it takes a moment and and then we get it connection yeah I had a. I was about to launch into a BVS rant. <laughs> There's so many close-ups in the movie. Are there no establishing shots in that very movie? Very strange. <laughs> it's very strange. Well, what else, anything else to say about Leon? Uh, just to close it out, I think um, oh, the said elements makes a, a, a great Batman movie because of the relationships. And I think that's what makes... Not to keep harping on the Christopher Nolan trilogy mm-hmm. because I think it's perfect, <laughs> but it's really... It, they truly take the time to explore the supporting figures as well and why they're so central to the central figure yeah you know what i mean like we don't get that much screen time with lucius but we understand why he's there and his purpose you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he's necessary to batman's transformation his evolution and we need that's why lois lane that's why martha wayne needs to be central in batman in superman's narrative it's why thomas works so well in the nolan universe yeah is that we get to explore that man hmm. in flashbacks in memories yeah and and he has developed so much in silent montage moments hmm. 
I've seen him put his doctor's stethoscope on young Bruce and listen to a heartbeat. Yeah. Like, God, that's chilling. That is, that is an incredible moment. <laughs> yeah. All we have with uh, Thomas in BVS is he tries to punch out the guy who has the gun on him. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a mustache, a glorious, glorious Glor- mustache. A, that's a pretty good mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so where is my Thomas Crown explored um, the Bruce Wayne playboy aspect of mm-hmm. you know the a, okay here i'm going to tell you that i'm going to tell you the plot of this movie okay a retired batman in his 70s is still batman okay mm-hmm. i'm and, intrigued and he may not be able to physically jump off buildings or kick the shit out of people anymore mm-hmm. you know he's not doing karate kicks anymore but the the big best thing about batman his most important asset has always been his intelligence and his mind and his detective skills. He's the world's greatest detective, right? And when Bruce's son is murdered, he's going to stop at nothing to solve this case. And he will punch people out, chase people down, and do whatever it takes to solve this mystery. And that's what the premise of this movie is. In the Valley of Elah, starring Tommy Lee Jones, who makes an amazing aged Bruce Wayne. Uh. I, I saw this movie knowing nothing about it. I didn't even see it in theaters. It came and went because it was one of those like low indie movies it was supposed to be Oscar bait, but it got a very limited release. Yeah. And it and, and I didn't even catch it till I caught it on like DVD, Blu-ray, like years later. And when I saw it, I was riveted to this badass Timely Jones. And this isn't this isn't taken. This isn't uh Grand Torino. No, no. This is this is a very real he's a he's a former military police. Timely mm-hmm. Jones plays an MP. His son is in the military and is killed on off base. Yeah. And it's something doesn't smell right. And he goes down there to just get his boy and bring him home. Mm-hmm. Like he tells his wife, I'm going to go get my get our boy and bring his body home. But when he gets there, he starts investigating and everything's a lie. Mm-hmm. And what he, he, he's, the police are telling him to back off. This case is solved. What are you doing, old man? Get out of here. And he's like, no, I'm going to figure out what's wrong here. I'm Batman. <laughs> and this, the detective aspect. And, and it's what's. Uh, BVS was trying to do is like, oh, it's an aged Bruce Wayne who's still trying to go at it. Well, I mean, Ben Affleck's Batman was moving like a young Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the exploring what would Batman be like if he was unable to put on the suit and cowl anymore? You look mm-hmm. at something like Batman Beyond, where the opening episode shows you a Batman who's too tired to do it anymore. Yeah. We've seen it time and again where in in different iterations in comics and in the movies of what Batman would be like if he's an old man. Kingdom Come. Mm. He's broken his body so much he's wearing Darth Vader's outfit <laughs> to keep himself mobile. Mm. And that's what Tommy Lee Jones is in the Valley of Elah. Yeah. It's the detective and the obsession and the the obsession with justice mm. and and answers. And that's something that I don't feel is another thing that is I don't even think the Nolan movies did it enough. No. Batman's supposed to be a detective. He's supposed to be a brilliant, brilliant problem solver. Mm-hmm. And we get hints of that in in the Nolan movies. And we even get little little s- off screen. He figured off screen. Ben Affleck figured out Superman was Clark Kent. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to know why that scene isn't in the movie? Why? Because if Bruce Wayne, Batman, had tracked down Superman. Found out he was Clark. He would have heard a conversation with Clark and Lois saying, "Of Clark going, I'm just trying to do the right thing." Mm. And people go, blah, blah, blah. and Batman would have gone, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I misunderstood everything. He's a good guy. Good, My bad, dog. Good thing I'm the world's greatest detective, and I could figure that out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a fabulous point 
you bring up because especially I haven't seen this movie. I, know. Um, I, I knew you had, and I don't think a lot of people have, but I yeah. I genuinely promise you, hmm. seek this movie out. It is awesome. It, it sounds phenomenal. It's, it's very quiet, yeah. but when those moments of intensity are there, you will see Batman. Yeah. Like, there's a scene in the movie where seven-year-old uh, 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 Tom Lee Jones has to kind of tra- chase down a car. Yeah. And he, and he's not going to be sprinting down the street in the middle of the city. <laughs> this is taking place on the Mexico border. Yeah. It's a very small, quiet film, but man, is it intense. So I, I, I jumped in on you. You were saying. I don't know where yeah. it is. Can, but can you imagine <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones in Tim Burton's Batman? <laughs> <laughs> He's the grizzled Batman I always wanted, but would never had. I keep seeing the meme. Um, it's do a Batman Beyond movie and let Michael Keaton play Bruce again. Oh my God! <laughs> and, and Michael Keaton now? Yeah. How good would he be? <laughs> that would be Oscar caliber. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Can we bring Will Fredo back? <laughs> What's he doing these What's days? What's he doing? Is he on Girl Meets World? <laughs> I think he's voicing Blue Beetle on some show. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Sticking with the DC. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's those are some of the greatest elements. That is so tossed aside not even like ever where it's never in the forefront of our consciousness when we're thinking about batman mm-hmm. like even though it's literally his moniker the world's greatest detective <laughs> we don't stop to think about that no no we batman. see the fighting yeah. we see the gadgets we see the money yeah we see the batmobile it's all the sexy stuff which yeah. is why um it's upsetting to see someone like Zack snatter take the helm of such an important character because he only focuses on the sexy things mm-hmm. we you're right bat batman He's, I feel like he's always one or two steps ahead of everybody. And he is played in this movie by Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor plays him and manipulates <laughs> him into thinking that Superman's a bad guy so easily. And it doesn't make any sense because that's not Batman. That's not in his character to be fooled that easily. No. Yeah. He's the world's greatest detective. He's the world's greatest detective. And this movie sounds like super interesting. Yeah, like, it's, it is a quiet film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if you think of something quiet like No Country for Old Men, that yeah. doesn't mean it's any less tense. Mm. Yeah, there's a very, there's a simplicity to it, but it's there. The, in the Valley of Elah, E-L-A-H. And yeah. just to just to show how clever and, and, and intelligent this movie is, you have no idea what the Valley of Elah is. Okay. You have you don't, do you? No, I have no I, idea. <laughs> I, would, I would bet everyone listening doesn't know. There might be one person who's like, I know, I went to Catholic school. <laughs> The Valley of Elah mm. is where the fight between David and Goliath took place. Ah, and, okay. and that would be a great title for a movie that has explosions and world-crushing villains and whatnot. Batman vs. Bane! <laughs> <laughs> but no, to, to call the movie in the Valley of Elah, to, to say this is a David and Goliath story yeah. and place it in a small desert town off a military base near the Mexican border investigating the murder of a, of a boy. Yeah. To, to make it to to yeah, just take that into consideration when you're watching that it's a David and Goliath story. Okay. Yeah. God, such a cool movie. I, I, yeah, I should rewatch that. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. What's your, what do you got here? You got we well, got your third one. Uh, my last one. What's your for, last for Batman? What's your what's was your, that your second one or your? That was my second. That I, was Thomas second. Crown Affair for the uh, the slick fun okay. Batman. Uh, not the slick fun Batman, but the, you know the Thomas Crown Affair uh, in the Valley of Elah for the de- aged detective. Mm. Um, oh, my Thomas Crown was my Elseworlds one. So. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to run back down the list, the Prestige was my Elseworld kind of alternate universe Batman mm-hmm. featuring obsession and things of that nature. The darker elements that makes Batman Batman, and Leon the Professional um, focusing on the human relationships that 
um, help shape Batman as a person and a character. And last one, I wanted to focus on legacy. And what I mean by that is sort of the familial legacy that is the Wayne family. Mm-hmm. And being born into something rather than kind of um, not necessarily earning it, because earning it sounds condescending, but yeah. we'll say that just for this case. But my, my next choice is the Lion King. What? Yeah. <laughs> now hear me out. Jesus. Okay. Okay. I think, I think this this narrative obviously can work. Yeah, for oh him. my God! You know what? Yeah. Batman Begins is Lion King. Yes, exactly. That's oh what I was going to reference. <laughs> <laughs> I never even done it. Please continue. I'm sorry. I just it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> so I I tried so hard to wrap my mind around what is a good movie that ties in with this idea of legacy and the Wayne legacy and growing up in a family where you feel like you didn't really earn it and you want to go out and earn your keep. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what the first act of Batman Begins is. Like, yes, they share, they both, both films share an element of where, yes, parents die. Mm -hmm. And so that sets them off. That's the catalyst. But what really fascinates me about, and again, Christopher Nolan, this is how influential it is his trilogy is in shaping the idea of Batman for me because Christian Bale is, I think forever will be my Batman. But anyway, um, the first act of Batman Begins is him setting out into the criminal world and becoming a criminal himself in order to understand the criminal mind. Yeah, he wants to steal to eat. Yes, exactly. He wants to understand what he's fighting. And I think that's such a wonderfully nuanced idea because we're... All these iterations of Batman, even the Zack Snyder one, he's just punching the hell out of people <laughs> without questioning why he's doing it, you know? At least it, it's such a great, like, almost like, um, you know, uh, my my uncle was, he had me touch a stove one time when I was five years old mm-hmm. because I kept, like, playing Reaching around with it, it yeah. and just messing around. He's like, okay, just just set your hand on there for, like, five seconds see what happens. You know, you, then you'll know. And yeah. then I burnt myself, and I, ne- I learned to never do that again. <laughs> all these, all, all of our experiences that, that ties in and shapes our reality is what, it's what helps us understand the world around us. And I think that's what's great about The Lion King is because here's this really privileged young lion who grew up in, who was born into royalty, mm-hmm. but he wasn't ready to lead. You know what I mean? He wasn't ready to be Mufasa, his father yet who is so well-experienced, done this for so long. He earned his keep. Respected. Yeah. yeah. He was well-regarded in the kingdom of wherever they were. <laughs> the Pride Rock. The Pride Lands. <laughs> the Pride Lands, yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the element of the father dying is very similar in both Batman and Simba's. But also running away, becoming a, a not a peasant, but an equivalent of a peasant um, animal and not... And I don't know how they didn't recognize him as the the, the son's king, but whatever. <laughs> oh, you mean Timon and Pumbaa? Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> but, um, well, here's the thing. If I may help yes, you answer that question, yes. is that when you look at Bruce escaping to the world, to, to travel the world, look at the animated series where he goes to Zatara to learn how to be an escape artist, where yes. he goes to um, Ducard and he learns how to be a detective, mm. to when he goes to Wildcat in the comics to learn how to box. Yeah. Like, he went to these places that are so far off the map they wouldn't even care who Bruce Wayne was. Yeah, he went so far away from Gotham. It's like uh, it's like the bum says you'd have to. I don't know. Um, uh, Tom Wilkinson's Falcone says you'd yeah. have to go with ten thousand. You have to go to the other side of the world for people not know who you are. <laughs> right? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, yeah. Uh, Simba 
pulling up with Timon and Pumbaa is is the exact same thing. It's like he found two guys who have no clue who he is. Yeah. And now he can experience life differently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that exploration of trying to find yourself and find refine and reclaim your purpose. I, I think that's that's something that Simba and Bruce Wayne really share close hand in hand. <laughs> I know this sounds so stupid. <laughs> but <laughs> I love it. They both have a legacy to uphold. Like it's not just the legacy of Batman, it's the Wayne family. They mm-hmm. are philanthropists. They care about Gotham. The beginning of Batman is even though Thomas and Martha Wayne are billionaires, they're filthy rich and they're like the most well respected, well regarded people in the city. They still ride the subway. They rode the tram to work. Yeah. And he showed him the city, just like Mufasa showed Simba the Pride Lands. This is your land. You have a responsibility when you grow up to uphold the city, the its integrity, its um, its well being, and you will be the gatekeeper of the city when you grow up. And yeah. that's so similar. Now I'm just kind of like BSing, but I just re- realized that that narrative of trying to reclaim and recenter your legacy is so. Batman, and that's why Simba is Batman in The Lion King, and The Lion King is Batman. Boom! <laughs> Mike, drop. Boom! <laughs> no, I love it. That's that is that is great. You're going to the, one of the core elements of who Bruce Wayne is, mm. and it's the, it's it is the legacy. It is making the name mean something. And again, Batman versus Superman approaches that. Yeah, there's that great monologue before the third act begins, where he's looking at the the. Okay, I got to go off on this for a second. There is such a shorthand in this movie that we need that he, Zack Snyder's just like, you've seen the Nolan movies, you get it. I mean, there's a burnt down mansion <laughs> that has the Wayne Manor logo on it. Yeah. What the hell is that? Mm. This this movie, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, could be a sequel to Dark Knight. They did mention they approached Christian Bale to do a cameo. And there were rumors that Ben Affleck was actually playing Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Yeah, that but but yeah, that not, yeah. Now that you bring it up, why was that there? <laughs> there was a, there was a burnt down mansion with the yeah. Wayne logo on the ground that mm-hmm. he went to and said, you know, I remember my father sitting me right down here and talking about the Wayne legacy and what it's built upon. And that's a that's a genuinely good moment in the movie. Yeah. Like that wasn't explored any further than that. Yeah. Because let's get to the let's get to the explosions. <laughs> let's, let's fight. Get, let's get to CG monster. Uh, <laughs> but the legacy of the Waynes is an element that is explored in varying degrees mm-hmm. in the Batman movies. And, and to make to relate that to the Lion King is very fascinating. <laughs> but when you look at when you really look at the beats and and what Simba goes through, it is a very Bruce Wayne type story. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of it. It's like the overarching theme of the Dark Knight trilogy to, you know, the rise, the fall, and the rise again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the climbing of the pit is what Simba exactly uh, had to go through is to, because he didn't understand why he had to uphold this mantle. You know, mm-hmm. he just wanted to run away and live a carefree life with his, you know, his little goons and stuff. Yeah. He just eat bugs. <laughs> that wasn't his thing. You don't yeah. understand how the world works, Bruce. Yeah. And and Gotham is exploring that really well too. I know yeah. not a lot of people like that show, but mm. that show is getting it far more right than what Snyder did in Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. It's an insane to think about, but yeah, because <laughs> I haven't seen anything past the pilot yet. <laughs> All right, well, but cool. yeah, the the Lion King something to consider when you're thinking about Batman. <laughs> I never would have thought of it. Okay. All right, so I've given you an Elseworlds. Okay. I've given you an aged Batman. Right? Okay. I'm gonna give you a Batman that could be on the Justice League. 
Okay. Because in the big picture of things, reading the comics, watching the cartoons, Batman shouldn't be on the Justice League. Hmm. He's kind of the end-all, be-all answer. Everyone always like, I hate Superman. He can do anything and everything. How many Justice League stories end with Batman solving everything? Because <laughs> he knows everything. He's one step ahead. But I'm going to... Okay. A billionaire, a philanthropist, a genius. He uses his money and wit to protect the world from the, the evils that threaten it. And more so, threatening uh, evils that have that he's responsible for. Uh, a constant battle with his personal demons, as well as his own mortality. Uh, he will not stop from making a difference in the world that gods are in, that aliens are in. Iron Man. Okay. I know you, you were avoiding other superhero movies, but Tony Stark, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., that's the best Batman we got right now. Yeah. he's He may not be Batman in the the dark gothic gritty sense that mm-hmm. batman is but when exploring the what can a a, a man who seemingly has everything do mm. to protect the world from the evils out there yeah you get someone like tony stark absolutely yeah and a lot of it a lot of people would compare captain america to batman a lot of people or daredevil would, or daredevil yeah. right i think the the real batman is iron man mm-hmm. and there's there's way more humor and way more charm in Tony Stark in Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, but in the darker moments when you look at Iron Man three, which yeah. I know is not a popular movie to some, <laughs> but it's one of my favorites because it truly explores the man. Yeah. In the iron, mm-hmm. it explores what makes a superhero human. Yeah. And how a human could be a superhero. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, and, and this is a if we want to see a Batman that could hang with the Justice League. Let's go back to talking about Jimmy Olsen for a mm. second, right? Imagine Jimmy Olsen and Lois in that final Doomsday fight. Yeah. Because there's a moment where Batman is crushed against the building, and he looks up at Doomsday, and there's Wonder Woman, a god, and Superman, an alien god. And Batman has this look on his face like, for a split second, Ben Affleck has this look that says, how am I supposed to fight alongside <laughs> these two entities, yeah. right? Give that to Jimmy Olsen through the lens of his camera, snapping pictures, lowering the camera down, looking out at the scene and seeing the three, the holy trinity of the DC comics going toe-to-toe and that human moment of Jimmy Olsen going, the world has changed. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah. It's... I don't know how I got to here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <clears throat> I definitely agree that Tony Stark is the Marvel equivalent to Bruce Wayne and... Well, their paths may not have been the same, but here is a human being amongst non amongst superhuman beings mm-hmm. who is utilizing what he has instead of just falling back on what he was given. Woo! And it, <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, having a man with unlimited resources and a, a plethora of knowledge that that is Batman to a T. Even if you're just looking at it superficially, that is Batman. And that's someone who can hang with a super team. Because I can't imagine uh, Daredevil being part of a super team. You know, like mm-hmm. he has so many limitations to where I think he works best alone. Yeah. yeah. He works best in the dark alleys of Hell's Kitchen. Mm. Uh, it would be hard to see him fighting in, what was it, uh, the, the floating... Uh, Slovakian in <laughs> <laughs> Avengers 2 <laughs> right it's it's what made Hawkeye important to uh, Avengers 2 yeah because he was the most human one hmm. um, and I, I feel like yeah there you go Iron Man is my 
third Batman movie. Very nice. Yeah. And it's it's fun and it's adventurous mm-hmm. and it's what the Batman and Superman and Man of Steel seriously lacked. Yeah. Was just make it fun. You mm-hmm. can still get dark. You can still get to to very dark places. Yeah. Look at the Nolan trilogy. I, you know, I, we we always reference the Nolan trilogy, but look at look at uh like the better incarnations of Batman. There is still moments of hope and inspiration. The Timverse. There's still adventures. Yeah. And there's still fun, and uh, there is no fun in Batman as he is now. Yeah. And it, Tony I, Stark makes Bat- makes Iron Man fun. Tony mm-hmm. Stark makes a fun superhero. Absolutely, and I think. I think this is why we misunderstand, as I alluded to on the last cast, <clears throat> we misunderstand what darkness really is and how Christopher Nolan implemented it. Because Zack Snyder is trying to copy, trying to copy that element on a very superficial level mm-hmm. by making. If we make things dark, thus the story is dark. No, Christopher Nolan's themes are very dark. He doesn't have to show you how dark he is in order to get you on board with how dark Batman as a character is. Like, yeah. Because uh, if you think about it, like The Dark Knight, that film, there's hardly any bloodshed, there's hardly any violent acts, but there is so many things that disturb you to your core that you realize this is dark. <laughs> you know, like There's so many people that walked out of the movie and said, I couldn't believe this is not rated R. But I was like, well, if you think about it, there's not a whole lot of things that... You don't see the pencil go through the head. Absolutely. That's the thing. And I'm telling you, like... Because you can treat the audience smart. The audience can fill in the blanks. Yeah. What you shouldn't do is try to let them fill in the blanks about stuff that makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It can be dark thematically. It doesn't need to be dark within its execution. (laughs) Well, there you go. Iron Man. Iron Man's my Justice League Batman. Nice. Valley Vila is my retired super uh, Batman, Blah. and um, and uh, Thomas Crown is my you know an intellectual detective, thrill seeking Bruce Wayne. So, uh, so those are some Batman movies for you folks to consider. Very nice. See what happens when you put a little thought into it. <laughs> well, let's take another break here. This is going to be about a three hour podcast, by the way, <laughs> okay. uh, and we'll come back and do Superman. What do you say? Yay! Uh, audible, cook. audible high five. May I have a cookie? Yeah, eat a cookie. Eat two cookies. Eat two cookies. But not three. (laughs) Out the door, just in time. Head down the 405. Gotta meet the new boss by 8 a.m. In the car, the wife is working hard. She's running late tonight again. Well, I know what I've been told. You gotta work to feed the soul. But I can't do this all on my own. No, I know I'm no Superman. We're back. All right, Ben, what are we doing now? We're going to pick three good Aquaman movies without Aquaman. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It only took us three tries to do that joke. (laughs) I'm terrible with bits. It is time for Superman. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I... 
Should you want to go first again, or should I go first this time? You know, I will give you the honor, TC, because this is your guy. This is what made you want to be a writer. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) You're putting words into my mouth. I'm sorry. It made a better backstory. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I came from a a destroyed planet as well. Um, Okay, so I, uh, much like we did with the Batman, or what I did with the Batman, I try to think of different versions of Superman and trying to stay to your, your thesis of these are movies that show... some element of the greatness of Superman, right? Um, I'm going to start up front with, okay, Uh, I had, I had a different order, but I'm, I'm calling an audible. I'm going with my number two is my first. Audible, audible. All right. Blue for the two. When, when, when we, when the world, when America needed a superhero the most, like Mm. a hero, the absolute most after September 11th, when we didn't know what the hell was going on, we got one. And he was a loser and an underdog and an outsider. And at first glance, you wouldn't even give him a second thought. But secretly, he was a hero with incredible powers and even more an incredible heart. He attempts to balance his life as a mild-mannered newspaper worker and protecting his sweet mother and trying desperately to live up to the potential that his father, who died for him, saw in him. And he is bearing the weight of the world on his shoulders. And he's only a boy. This isn't Superman. This is Spider-Man. Spider-Boy, if you will. <laughs> the, the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi Spider-Man is not only a great Superman movie, it is the Superman movie. Yeah. You could, I've made this thesis before that you could take the entirety of, of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and put it right next to the 1977 Christopher Reeve Superman, the epitome of Superman in cinema. Mm even to this day, and it's beat for beat, the same movie. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Spider-Man represents what Superman should be, mm-hmm. which is someone with insanely incredible powers who is choosing to do always do the right thing, no yeah. matter how hard it is for him personally, the sacrifices he has to make in his personal life and with his loved ones and his career and how people perceive him as a person. He puts on that costume and he does his damnedest to protect the city and protect protect the people around him, and that that is there's so so much humanity in these in Spider Man, hmm. and you can root for this guy and it's someone who's beaten down constantly by bullies whether it's the bully of Norman Osborn the Green Goblin or Flash Thompson or the city itself and says no I'm still gonna do the right thing I know how hard this is and it would be easy for me to use my powers to do something differently it would be easy for me to tell you how wrong all you people are and mm-hmm. succumb to the darkness that could but no with great power comes great responsibility and proving that you deserve that responsibility and deserve that power that's what Superman's all about mm-hmm. and Spider-Man does that hallelujah <laughs> praise TC <laughs> Brilliant analysis, my friend. That is absolutely Superman to a T, and, and it, that, it just goes to show the influential ripple effects of the Dick Donner series, how he changed the way we structure narratively the superhero movie, from the origin to the rise and the fall and everything in between. And the sacrifices in between. Absolutely. Yeah, and and the there's a, the scene that, it's hokey and it's silly, but it's still so uplifting is when he's got the cable car full of kids and Goblin shows up to it and then the New Yorkers start throwing shit at him. They're like, hey, man, he's just trying to save some kids. Leave him alone. This is New York. Like, <laughs> You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And that's, 
that's silly, mm-hmm. but it's so insp- it's so good. Yeah. It feels good. It's like yeah, like let the <laughs> let the hero do his thing, uh-huh. and that's what. Is that what BVS is trying to show us? Hmm. Is that there are people in Batman versus Superman who are the metaphorical people on the bridge saying, no, we're on this guy's side. Because hmm. nowhere in that movie do I see people looking to Superman as hope and inspiration and on his side who say, yes, let this guy do what he has to do. Hmm. I don't see that anywhere in the movie. Never. I see protesters. I see people, effigies of Superman. Hmm. People decrying... like who hate him yeah that's what i see that how is the audience supposed to respond hmm. when the every people in the movie hate the guy <laughs> exactly you want me to hate this guy <laughs> really badly and i think there is elements of something really interesting in having the the population hate superman initially mm-hmm. because we as a society i think we are just skeptical of people in power in general and people who do genuinely good things for no good reason absolutely like there is something questionable about that and mm-hmm. it's okay to question that but i think there should be a time in the movie especially in bbs where superman was given a chance to win us over instead we get and i said it before the yeah. most depressing montage of heroics ever <laughs> seriously he's just mopingly like oh, save this rocket mm. i'm sorry people are drowning <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do this now. And, and you are totally right. Just calling back to your criti- critical analysis earlier, his death was not earned because there's never a time or a chance given to us as an audience member, let alone the population within mm-hmm. that movie, to trust him again. Do we... Did, we said it off mic. That presidential-style funeral is yeah. complete bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 18 months ago, mm-hmm. this guy leveled one of the biggest cities on the planet. Mm-hmm. Would we give a funeral like that if Osama bin Laden had turned over a new leaf? <laughs> Am I being hyperbolic right now, Ben? <laughs> no, you it totally makes sense, TC. But you know how you you can do that? How? That not not the Osama bin Laden thing. <laughs> Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, I hate to rope the two movies together, but mm. they work so well in tandem. Yeah. It's the subway scene where where Peter stops the subway car and he nearly dies, and the people lift him up, and they do the whole Jesus moment where they raise him <laughs> over his head. But so silly. They, it, it, again, it's a hokey moment, but yeah. he earned it. Yes, and it's a moment that the audience was given, mm-hmm. and and we were, and we we can appreciate the moment because it was earned. Absolutely, it was a sacrifice that we can appreciate, mm-hmm. and we understand it too um, because it was told, and it, it was told through a teenager's Lens. perspective. Yeah, 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 and. What's great about the first Spider-Man, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they were still skeptical of Spider-Man even once that movie ended after all these things that he did because mm-hmm. like such a small section witnessed what he did and they kind of kept it to themselves or whatever. And it wasn't uh, it wasn't known throughout all of New York yet, let alone the country. Mm-hmm. And so Spider-Man was still kind of a menace to society. There's the montage in the movie where people are giving their reactions to Spider-Man. Guy yeah. dressed like a spider, sounds kind of hot. <laughs> He's a freaky deaky, some sort of wackadoo. Yeah. We, Great, greatest line in the movie. <laughs> that is a quote. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so great because we all have this interpretation of this almost mythological figure that mm-hmm. we don't fully understand just yet. And that's great. That's fine. It's it's built out of fear. It's built out of misunderstanding or it's built out of uh, acknowledgement and, and, um, and worshipness or whatever, martyrdom. And I think that's... 
that's done. It's really complex issues, but they done they were done very simply through Spider Man. Spider Man's not a complex movie whatsoever. <laughs> it's you know point A to point B, but mm-hmm. we get all these things. We understand all these themes and everything that Spider Man does. It makes sense. <laughs> the sacrifice he makes at the end. Yeah, people always say Superman sucks because Superman can do everything. That's why he's a boring character. Yeah, but he doesn't. Right mm-hmm. at the end of Spider Man, he knows that his responsibility is to be spider-man yeah to use the powers he has for the greater good and sacrifice what he wants that's why and and it's also to protect the people he loves that's Mm -hmm. why he doesn't go with mary jane at the end he's like i can't because i have a job to do yeah it's that's not what he's literally saying but that's what he's figuratively saying he's like i this is my life Mm -hmm. i will never get to appreciate being man I have to be the hero. Yeah. And that's sad. And it's, st- but it's still an inspiration. That movie ends on that down note, but then he swings through the city and he's like, you know, it's hanging on the American flag and he's like, I'm here to protect you all. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's how a Superman movie should end. A Superman should move. Superman Returns doesn't end that way. Yeah. Superman, Batman versus Superman doesn't, Man of Steel doesn't end that way. They freaking tried. <laughs> and, and that's something that, that's that, what made, sorry, not to cut you off. No, that's okay. But, you just brought something super interesting here because they did try doing that at the end of the man of steel after he leveled and destroyed 10,000 people's lives and then try to fly away and do superhero montage at the end. Yes. No, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't. (laughs) Uh, that that drone that you just crashed was worth billions of dollars. You know, I don't like you following me. (laughs) It was not earned. Nope. It was not earned. But Spider-Man is, inspirational it Uh, is hopeful and it came out when we needed it most yeah that that movie if superman had come out if a superman of that caliber had come out when spider-man came out instead Mm -hmm. of spider-man my god i mean that's what the but the world didn't need a god yeah the world needed a kid Mm -hmm. a human an underdog a a person who had been pushed around one of us one of us yeah yeah. and that's why spider-man works on such an incredible level Mm -hmm. as a superman movie Absolutely, and oh, gosh, TC, you're you're moving me right now to my bones because I I'm feeling like just to expand on what you're saying, especially uh, during our current political landscape when we're searching for that new leader and someone to look not necessarily up to but look to to make the important decisions and not only important decisions the right decisions. Yeah. I feel like this is a great time to have a good Superman Zack Snyder says there's no place for the Christopher Reeve hokey G-shuck Superman in, uh, our, in, our, in our world today. Yeah. But we need him more than ever. Yeah. We don't need to go darker. <laughs> we need a light to show us the way. Uh, we need a light to show us the way. We need a light to show us the way. <laughs> What's your Superman movie? I feel like we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great pick, though, TC. I feel Thank like that, the, the martyrdom of Superman and 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 Spider-Man too. I, it's it brings such a great conversation that needs to be had, especially in this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great pick. Mm. Ah, ah. <laughs> it's just like this list should be renamed Six Reasons Why We <laughs> Still Can't Stand BBS." <laughs> but <Okay>. uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm just gonna take a sip. Here. Take a little sip there. If you wanna, you wanna eat a cookie while you're talking. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that would make me phlegm up even more. <laughs> um, so just just furthering themes of 
we we discussed the legacy of Batman. I kind of wanted to go ahead and talk legacy about Superman because this this is a person who comes from a different culture, a different land, you know, country, hell, a different planet. So <laughs> his upbringing is in, is entirely different from ours as Americans, and so I feel it is ripe for national conversation, especially in times of you know xenophobia, Islamophobia, and fear of the outsider, fear mm -hmm. of the foreigner. And what is great about the Superman narrative, and it's something that I, I posted recently because um, there's a new reboot of Superman. The uh, comic. Comic book. Mm -hmm. I believe it's called All New Superman, and it will feature a Chinese-American Superman named oh, wow. Kenji Kong. And it's written by my favorite author, Gene Luen Yang, who's actually write, <clears throat> writing the current action comics right now. And so he's also tackling this new Chinese American Superman. And it's 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 great because I myself as an Asian American never fully understood the Superman character because yeah, he is all powerful, he can do this and that. But what I an element of Superman that really made me latch onto him as a character is the immigrant narrative because my parents are uh, boat boat folks. They are displaced from their country. They mm. had no country. Their Krypton, Vietnam, was not what it used to be. You know, it became under communist rule, and they literally had no country to go back to. Just like Superman had no planet to go back to. Yeah. And so these, these the, the immigrant experience is what helped me tie my family's narrative to Superman's narrative. And my uh, it's a long-winded answer to make it shorter. Um, my pick of like one of the greatest depictions of the American ex immigrant experience is The Godfather. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Mario Puzo wrote the first Superman movie. Yes, there's so many connections between the two film franchises because um, Marlon Brando, I feel like, not because not only did he play Jor-El in the Superman movies, I feel like he played a Jor-El in The Godfather. In the Godfather, movie. yeah. Um, Fascinating. Here's... Here's Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino, um, kind of torn between two worlds. Uh, the the gangster mafioso lifestyle that his father sort of built when he came over here as an Italian immigrant in the 20s or whatever time it was. Um, his father truly does not want him to follow down this path. He came over here from Italy and did all these things so that Michael didn't have to. And I think... Even as ugly as that is, mm -hmm. there's a noble sacrifice in there, and I think it's it's fascinatingly explored. And here's uh, Michael's quandary, which is very similar to Superman's: like, do I continue to uphold my family's legacy and potentially destroy my own personal happiness and self-satisfaction yeah, yeah. by upholding said legacy, or do I just turn the other cheek and ignore my family and just let them falter? You know, and I think that's is such an incredible um, piece to Superman's identity is do I continue which path do I choose you know yeah and, with the vision that your father set out for you mm -hmm. or a, a, the opposite of that a yeah. different vision and it's sort of touched in Man of Steel but it's done in a in such a way where it's almost insulting <laughs> <laughs> It's either like, hey, kill or kill. <laughs> kill or ignore the people, the fellow people. And while there isn't elements of... Because these, these characters are, are criminals. They're, they're not saviors by any sort, but it's done... See, this is why even, even if they kill, even if they steal and rob and cheat and all that stuff, 
there is a humanity to these characters and it's why you lash onto them so much because they're doing it for a reason where we all can empathize and relate to and it's mm-hmm. for family yeah it's for you know it's for a code and we i feel like we all have a sense of an ethical code no matter what we're doing or partaking in and um michael's transformation is one of the one of the most fascinating in cinematic history because here's a guy who had an ivy league education who was in the military served is a like a do-gooder a, bl- a boy scout just like superman mm-hmm. but it's the whole what if superman took a darker turn there you go yeah, yeah. that's exactly and decided to because we we don't really know anything about kryptonians if you're just following like the the straightforward streamline of Superman's narrative. We don't really know much about Kryptonian history because it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you read like really reading soda or whatever. And if you're a super fan, if you know your lore, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what if like the Kryptonian race was a terrible race? What if they were just like? Well, it says something. <laughs> it says something that yeah. of the survivors of Krypton, mm. Brainiac and Zod are two of them. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. that does say something about the cold nature of mm-hmm. that, and a lot of the uh, the crystalline imagery that Richard yeah. Donner created in the seventies and Mario Puzo as well mm-hmm. has been adopted as as canon into yeah. the the sterile, cold, angular look of Krypton with dragons. Yeah, and, <laughs> and but that's also why it's so important that Jonathan and Martha are who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I like this this notion of. Who who would this immigrant be if he took a dark path? Who, mm. Superman is the ultimate immigrant, right? Yes, absolutely, and that's why like that's why I feel like even if you don't ethnically identify with Superman as a character, there's so much about him that says Asian American, Latino American, <laughs> uh, Middle Eastern American, because we are all coming from a, a motherland essentially. A mother country, a mother planet, displaced from it forcibly mm-hmm. at times. You know, there's obviously there's a lot of positive immigrant experiences. A lot of people come over here with student visas and come over here to earn, uh, earn their keep and whatnot. But like, mm-hmm. not not my folks. You know, my folks are very much they're very similar to Clark's uh, experience. They were forced. I mean, this country yeah. was f- more or less founded upon every every ethnicity in this country. Hmm. didn't come here willingly yeah no (laughs) there weren't many people who came here willingly yeah and i i think that's what makes superman so great because Mm -hmm. it's because even though he didn't come here willingly he made the best out of a situation and he empowered others along the way and that's that's the godfather because michael is is choosing to use his power yeah to protect others like him Mm. and it is a darker look at that that idea of power in 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 his hands yeah interesting it's really fascinating like um i don't know why i personally think about legacy all the time but i just don't feel like i don't know i don't want to go into religion being religious or whatever but i'm not i'm not a total like believer (laughs) of afterlife or whatever so i really want to make things count Mm -hmm. now yes and i feel like Every every step we take, every decision we make, there's going to be a footprint left, and I want that to be a positive one. You know what I mean? And that's what Superman represents to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I feel like that's something that we don't think about enough. And that's that's something that bothers me about Zack Snyder's incarnation of Superman, is because 
of all the footprints that his Superman leaves, yeah. it has been a negative. They're one. not footprints; they're craters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you you said Michael Corleone is living a family legacy. Then the Corleone name mm. means something before, and he wants it to mean something after. Yeah. And and he's trying to bestow that upon his family, his brothers, and his kids, and that's what Superman is is lacking now. Mm. Is that the S needs to represent something? It should yeah. not be being set on fire outside of a protest in in this movie it, yeah it's, <laughs> it's it is upsetting but i am hopeful for the future because as long as this character exists i think uh tolerance and understanding amongst different cultures and, and ethnic groups can exist because mm-hmm. like this whole this whole promotion of xenophobia and islamophobia from the, the right wing and stuff like that it's it's very reminiscent of, hey, we got to fear Superman because we don't understand him. Yeah. But if we Just like Batman, the whole time I was yelling at them, like, if you guys just sat down and talked for five minutes, right. you'd understand each other and you'd know that you're not that different. <laughs> <laughs> Which in every other incarnation of this story has happened. Yeah. <laughs> where they can come to a, an understanding. You're right. The, the like, literal xenoph- xenophobia. Yeah. Like, Alien fear of alien is what xenophobia means. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking like an alien from another country, a literal alien. Literally. And again, what does that say about us mm. that we are accepting this Superman? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Godfather. Interesting. Yeah. I was pretty proud of that yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, may I move on to my next? Of course, sir. Okay, well, since we're delving into, we were discussing a, a darker path, a darker world. Uh, what what Zack Snyder has done with Man of Steel and what he claims to have been doing with Batman Superman is this is what these characters would be like in our real world, mm. which that's a problem. We're supposed to live in a fantasy world. Movie, You know me. I, I genuinely love movies for escapism yes. while holding the mirror up. Mm. That's that's my favorite kind of movies. I know a lot of people like movies that that have a message and make a statement, and you can do that. I feel like Snyder is missing the mark on both. That he's trying to claim this is how the world would really react to Superman. Mm. Well, fine. If you want to go to a dark Superman, if you want to experience a dark world that needs and gets a Superman, okay? You know, uh, it's a, we have an alien without a path, misplaced from the world. He's attempting to blend into. He suddenly has destiny thrust upon him. Suddenly, he discovers that he may be the most powerful being on the planet. And as the threat of evil grows and all of humanity is placed on the brink, this hero must accept his destiny as mankind's savior, even if it means sacrificing himself. In a world very much like Snyder's, where Clark was raised to hide his powers, only to then let those powers release to become the hero, Hmm. the Matrix. Ah, okay. Yeah, I see that. I see that very much. Neo is trying to blend in, trying to be a man. If if he was raised by Jonathan Kent to fear who he is, hmm. don't don't just conform. Sh- you're a sheep. Just just don't stand out. Just do what you're supposed to do. Do not live up to your potential. And secretly wanting to live up to his potential. John Anderson or Tom Anderson, John Anderson is a hacker. He has a secret alter life that he hides from people. That's when he's truly alive. Is when he's Neo, the the hacker. Yeah. And it's someone like Trinity, who is Wonder Woman. Someone like Morpheus, who is who is a Jor-El, who says, "No, you are the one. Mm. You can save us." 
embrace that. Don't hide from it. Don't fear it. Be it. Yeah. And you can save us all. And that's what Neo is. That's what the Matrix is. It's a dark, gritty world, post-apocalyptic, and have it all. And he flies at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not talking about the the sequels. I'm not even talking about the Animatrix. Specifically, the first Matrix movie is it's the hero's journey. Yeah. It's as much as it's Alice in Wonderland. It's the textbook hero's quest, mentor, three-act structure, all that. Mm. And in the end of that movie, as dark as it is, as gritty as it is, as leather-clad as it is, you still get that heroic moment at the end where it's like, I know who I am now, and I'm here to save these people, even if it's one at a time, hmm. with all the powers I have, and you're not going to stop me. And he flies off into the sky with Rage Against the Machine playing. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Superman! <laughs> Can we pre- please bring that band back? I'm tired of seeing Tom Morello and all these other spinoff bands that are not as superior. <laughs> <laughs> so... There you go. The Matrix. That is an that is an amazing dark Superman story. Yeah, that is a great dark fantasy spin on Superman. A techno thriller. Jesus like, imagery. It's got everything that's <laughs> Superman except the killing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And it's a great I'm trying to think about my words here. Because it's a it's a great philosophical questioning of what reality is but i don't know how that ties in yeah it's it it may not explore the the reality of of the world Mm. it's it's a person's place in the world that it explores okay yeah that makes sense take take out of the fact that like it's all a lie you're living you're living (laughs) a lie i'm not focusing on that stuff but focusing on the the living up to the potential of being being the hero the responsibility of the power much Mm. like spider-man uh, the fear of that power, of the f- the questioning, am I doing the right thing? Is this the path I'm supposed to be on? Yeah. Being told no, being crushed by the supervillain in, in Hugo Weaving's uh, Agent Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, the the struggle to live up to the potential, to to deserve the powers, yeah. to earn the respect of the world. Like, that's Superman. No, that totally makes sense. And it's Neo, too. <laughs> yeah. And the fear of that power. Like and, fear of your own power. Yeah. Yeah. And how people treat Neo mm. as the Superman. Absolutely. Right? The 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 people who, who know he can do it. The people who fear what he can do. The people mm. who are fascinated. If you look at the little group on the ne- uh, the Nebuchadnezzar yeah. and how they observe him, like they are both in awe of him and doubt him. Yeah. And that's, again, another element of Superman that's hard to explore in some movies when he's wearing the S and the cape. Mm-hmm. Take that away, and now let's explore how do people react to Superman. Yes. I've said for years, comics-wise, because the character is almost 80 years old, Superman works best as a supporting character. Mm-hmm. He, he, it's hard to, it's difficult to tell that single, singular main character Superman story. Yeah. But through other people's eyes, that's what makes him so... That's why Jimmy Olsen's important, damn it. <laughs> Don't kill Jimmy. <sighs> they still technically can since they didn't name him Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Just like Jenny Olsen was end up not being Jenny from the Man of Steel. Yeah, like, what, what happened there? I don't know. Whatever. That, we don't have to go there. But The Matrix, that's, that's, my, that's, my other, that's my Superman movie. I think that's a really great, brilliant, and um, thoughtful pick, especially since... It's the whole, like, Zack Snyder, um, you know, he's always trying to bring in this questioning of power and questioning of my place in this world, but it's never fully explored, TZ, and that's why I I do think there can be, Man of Steel, even Man of Steel could have been a great film. That first half of that movie was really interesting, questioning Mm -hmm. my place in the world. 
trying to understand what the world is to me exactly but it's completely undermined and undercut by these by hypocritical acts like going off (laughs) and killing the main villain or leveling a city or not being in control of oneself like i understand like the first half you can spend this time trying to figure out how to hone in these powers how to control them how to understand it but it wasn't time spent on that it was time worrying about should i could i this balancing act of should i could i was spent (laughs) like an hour and a half of doing that and so we never truly understood these, this character and we never understood his purpose and in turn he didn't either and it, it made for a ridiculous film watching experience <laughs> <laughs> it was so frustrating yep <laughs> if you want to explore the, a man displaced and a man trying to come to terms with what he can should and could do hmm. i say the matrix there you go. I, I approve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got over here? Boom shakalaka. <laughs> so, okay. So I really went left field for this one. Oh, because boy. I, what, just going back to our, our Batman talks about relationships and the humanity that these relationships bring to the central character, mm-hmm. I, I love Lois Lane the more and more I think about her. She That's is good. so, she exudes excellence. She epitomizes human excellence. Not We don't even need to talk about gender, even though she is important to the female movement and what feminism is. I think just as a human being, she is excellent. And there's just not enough stories about her. So I picked a film that questions what would happen if Lois and Clark had children and Clark either disappears or dies. Okay. How would Lois cope with his death, his his disappearance, and how would she cope if her children inherited his powers? Wow, okay. Yeah, and so I selected an anime that's called Wolf Children, and it's directed by this guy, I can't pronounce his name, but um, he is a descendant of the uh, Hayao Miyazaki animation family tree, and so he's he's very influenced by the Studio Ghibli, not only animation style, but the way they tell stories. So it's bringing all these fantastical elements into a very human story. And I think this is the perfect Lois Lane story. Now, this is a story about a young mother in uh, Tokyo who goes to Tokyo to go to college. She meets this mysterious, dark, broody figure who she falls in love with and then finds out that he's a werewolf (laughs) by night. And so uh, they, they get married, they have children, but one night and and every night he goes out and hunts for food because that's part of his beastly nature and one night he doesn't come back and they find his wolf form in the field and realize that he has been killed by a hunter and so now she has to go about not only being a single mother but how do i raise these super hybrid children who can turn to wolf on command and they're they're learning how to hone in their powers too and what it means for them and how how do i go about being a normal child and they have a really great moral contrary too because the son he wants to give in to his beastly nature and the daughter just wants to be a regular girl be a regular third grader Mm -hmm. and blend in with these children and be accepted by society and the mother is in the center of all these like moral contraries and she has to balance it both and it truly takes a woman of lois lane's caliber to be able to not only kind of handle this existence on her own but like figure out who she is as a person too and trying to recenter everything and and reclaim her own power as mm-hmm. a mother as a woman and as a person 
in the society. And in, so, in a world where a Superman once existed. Yes, absolutely. Wow. It's like, it's what <laughs> wolf, we're talking wolf about. Tri- wolf children? Wolf children. Wolf children, okay. And once again, it's all about legacy and the repercussions of superhumans. Like, what we're talking about, footprints and stuff like that. What would happen if Superman did all these things and then he disappeared, you know? The repercussions of it, and the there's always I always believe there is always a major consequences when every action that we partake, especially of Superman's caliber. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're that powerful, there's no way there's no consequences, and so this brings it to a very human level and to a very um, I think it's it's very this this is a very heartbreaking film, and but at the end of it all, I find it very hopeful mm-hmm. because even though they all partake in a different path they were able to find happiness within their paths. And I think that's something that lacks, lacks hugely within the modern incarnation of Superman. The the effects of great feats, yes. super heroic feats, Superman level feats. Mm. And, and I feel like that's once again, something that they were attempting to explore, but they didn't, that they completely missed the mark on. Yeah. And Lois is so important to Superman. She's so important to Superman. You're right. And, and, Oh, and to, I hear a cat. Okay, the cat agrees. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it before that it, when when trying to get Superman right, Superman's easy. You can get Superman. That's fine. It's Clark that's important. It's Lois that's important. It's the other characters that are important because Superman put him on a cape. That's the thing. Superpowers. Boom. Go. There you go. <laughs> that's fine. It's when you miss the mark on the other things that hurt the storytelling. Aspect. It becomes incredibly noticeable. Yeah. And and focusing in on a Superman movie that's that's about Lois mm-hmm. and her perspective that's that's incredible because there needs to be more of the human element once yeah. again. <laughs> Absolutely, and what's what's great too is such a empowering female story without making it patronizing or condescending or written in a way where you notice it's a man writing for women. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, how we like identify. A female story as being seamless is if we don't notice that, that she's female or that's not something that's being hammered over our heads like hey look how strong she is <laughs> literal strength <laughs> exactly it's just it's it's an emotionally satisfying film it's mm-hmm. very long especially for an animated film but <laughs> it feels epic without a punch being thrown without an explosion being had it's just epic in a way where it's the hu- the grandeur of the human experience, something mm-hmm. that we all can latch onto and identify with, especially if you ever had a mother, especially if you ever had to be a guardian of somebody, especially if you, you know, you live in a, a shadow of someone, yeah, someone great, and you have to follow up, you have to follow that shadow in some capacity. And how do you do that? How do you do so? And that's what I feel embodies Lois Lane as a character. She right. is his equal. Yeah. Yeah, and and I know people have have a hard time getting into anime. Yeah, There's some, it's the you know we're so used to Disney. Mm-hmm. We're a culture that has been that's been built upon Disney, the look of it, the feel of it, and anime is is very it's foreign to people. It's yeah. literally foreign to yeah. people. <laughs> uh, but and there's so much garbage. <laughs> let's let's be honest. It's so silly. Like rap music, there's very little good. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, anime. Is, but if you can find movies like this if mm. you can find if you can just watch the Hayao Miyazaki movies you'll yes. be fine if you can find the right anime you're going to be fine you'll mm. forget that you're watching a Japanese movie you'll forget the tropes of of why I don't like anime <laughs> and I have not seen this movie mm. but I definitely am fascinated by what you're approach what you're delivering here and and 
giving that idea of, of experiencing Superman through Lois mm-hmm. is great. That's great. I, I love it. So, I highly recommend it, especially to you and Candace, because I think Candace would be a fan, too. Um, there's just something about the... I find a lot of, especially anime done right, is very elegant. Mm. There's It's elegant. Well, it's, hand, not, it's hand-drawn, right? Yeah, hand-drawn, <laughs> but not only the animation, but in terms of storytelling and its delivery of its thematics. Because something like, I feel like, if it were to handle the themes of, say, a Zootopia... Um, there would it would be less heavy-handed, you know what I mean? Even though Zootopia is brilliant, and I love that movie, don't get me wrong, it's just done so, in such a, like, it's done in a ham-fisted way mm-hmm. because that's how American animation is. It's just the way it is, and so I don't... It's the best we can hope for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fault it for it. I don't find it inferior in any way. It's just different, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I do appreciate the sophistication of Japanese animation and its storytelling. All right, so yeah. Wolf Children. Wolf Children, try it out. All right, all right, well, here's my third. Ready? We're on three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> a, a strange visitor from another planet mm. who, who comes to Earth, the middle America even, and crash lands and is raised on down-home American Americana values to be told, hey, don't you have incredible powers? Do not use them like that. You need to use them like a good guy. Mm. You need to do good things. The Iron Giant. Yes, the Iron Giant, dude. That was actually on a list that is, of of best Superman movies without Superman. That movie is incredible, and mm. it's funny that you just did an animated movie, and now I am doing an animated movie. This movie is one of the greatest movies of all time. Yes, not just a great animated movie, not just hey, it's a good Superman without Superman movie. This movie is so good, so good, and. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but seek it out. If you don't have it, let me know. I'll let you borrow mine. <laughs> this is from Brad Bird, who did mm-hmm. The Incredibles and a bunch and several other Pixar movies. Um, there's some great voice acting in here, but the premise is Vin Diesel. <laughs> the premise is a giant robot crashes and loses his memory, and is found by a child. And what better way to explore the alien super Superman? than through the eyes of a child, mm. than through the naivete of a kid, right? And this this giant iron robot was built to kill. Yes. Lasers, grenades, missile launchers, just the whole shebang. Mm. He is a death machine. Yeah. And upon discovering that, upon realizing that uh, the potential of what that could mean, that he may come from a world of war and, and hate, that would need to create something like this, the innocence of a child, the the American, like the true American values, the do the right thing values that aren't even American, that are just human nature, that real human nature should be, is instilled upon this powerful being, mm. and he does the right damn thing. And yes. he is a hero, and he is, I mean, the movie even talks about Superman, the 30s Superman, the original Superman, mm. the leaps over a tall building in a single bound Superman. Yeah. That is in this movie, Iron Giant, <laughs> to the point that the Iron Giant himself becomes Superman. Yeah. As inspirational and as tear-jerkingly perfect as it ever could be. Mm. I mean, Iron Giant is whatever the hell Zack Snyder thought he was doing in Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman <laughs> is condensed into Iron Giant. All the quote-unquote plot points from those two movies are in the iron giant and hit perfectly this movie is hands down 
boom. I didn't even put it on my list originally. I had a different movie. Yeah. And then when we were sitting here and you couldn't remember your third, mm. it hit me. And I was like, how could I have forgotten <laughs> the Iron Giants? Absolutely. The This is the perfect choice. The humor, the heart, mm. the drama, the suspense, the fear, the xenophobia, the misunderstanding, the heroics. It's, it's all here. Everything that Superman represents as a as a character in our consciousness as he's existed for 80 years yes. is represented in this movie mm-hmm. and the fact that it's done through hogarth hughes a little kid yeah is even more important because you superman should be an inspiration to us all but it's more important that the right superman is the right role model and inspiration to the unfettered kids mm. the the to be able to mold children with proper heroes yeah is so freaking important yeah people are bringing their seven-year-olds to see batman versus superman <laughs> they're kids who this is their first experience mm-hmm. seeing batman superman and yeah. that's that sucks because that shouldn't be their only example of these yes, characters absolutely uh, i love that you picked that tc and i find the iron giant to be poignantly poetic it's done it's done very simply too. There's no complexity to this. It's complex in its thematics, but it's not complex to watch. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel BVS misses the mark because it overly complicates things. I feel the, the mark of a very novice storyteller, I'm not even talking about filmmaker because Zack Snyder, sure, you can film an action sequence, good for you. <laughs> the mark of a novice storyteller is packing on a bunch of sequences non-coherently and it doesn't streamline to an overarching story. This, like, then this, then this, then this. Yeah. Instead we, of this, because of this, absolutely. because of this, because of this. How can you make a movie and call it a movie with a <laughs> bunch of montages, dream sequences, and vignettes? That is that is just like three-hour montage. It's three-hour <laughs> montage of the movie. It doesn't make it. Like, not to keep harping on the whole nonsensical part, but like, what makes the Iron Giant so great is you just listed off a bunch of things and it's packed into a 90 minute frame Mm -hmm. it's not three hours (laughs) it's not there's no there's it's not five acts and we got all of that in its 90 minute frame it was done so simply but so sophisticatedly Mm -hmm. where how did how can Zack snyder learn from the iron giant tc it it's it is breaking it down to the true the core elements of the story you're trying to tell Mm. and We've we've discussed this in all the movies we just we've had this. I don't know what your last movie is, but we've Iron Giant is representative of legacy, of xenophobia, of heroics, of uh, power and responsibility, and it's just a matter of what is your theme. Theme is important. Some yes, yeah, sometimes you can write a stream of conscious conscious story that may seemingly wander. Like No Country for Old Men, you could yeah. you could claim some, a movie like that kind of wanders, but when you step back and start analyzing it, you can see there's a theme. Mm. You can look at something like Iron Man, yeah, right, which is you you uh, you can understand what the goals are of the hero and the villain. Mm. That's important. We don't know what the goals and villain the goals of the hero and the villain are in Batman versus Superman. I could tell you, I guess I could kind of guess what, I can kind of see what the goals of the hero and the villain are in Man of Steel. Hmm. I, I guess I got an idea, but it's still a little wishy-washy because Zod isn't honed in. I mean, his sidekick is more honed in than he is. 
But uh, what what Zack Snyder could learn from the Pixar method of storytelling, which is Iron Giant fits in perfectly, yeah. is you know don't talk down to people. Mm-hmm. Find a human level to tell a story, and characters are interesting because of who they are and what they do. Yeah. Not how they do it. Not how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I don't. I don't want to keep adding movies, but like I, you, you saying stream of consciousness brings brings something to mind. And I think Drive could be an interesting Superman interpretation. An interpretation oh my gosh. of oh Superman. Oh gosh! You're blowing my mind with that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to throw in another movie, but I'm just thinking now. Like, what if we had a movie about Superman who doesn't want to be Superman anymore? He's Ooh. trying to find a way out. And that's Drive. And Drive is great because it's a dark fairy tale, but it's done in a stream of conscious way. And if you think about it, there's no story in Drive. <laughs> it's just a really great character piece. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's what Superman could be. Oh, damn. We need, <laughs> we need the Drive version of Superman. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So Drive's your last movie. All right. Well, <laughs> nah, great podcast, Ben. <laughs> We'll call that an honorable mention. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, we'll, we'll move on from our... Seriously, if you have not seen The Iron Giant, if you like... Do you like Pixar? Why wouldn't you like Pixar? Name one person who doesn't like a Pixar movie. You are a terrible person. You are a terrible human being. <laughs> you are not real. Uh, go seek out The Iron Giant. I mm. promise you, if you are a fan of Pixar, if you're a fan of Superman, if you if you like animation, you know, all those things. Yeah. Totally check out that movie. It's time to do the best... Pixar, non-Pixar movies. <laughs> <laughs> the Rewatchman is entering a whole new realm here. Yes. <laughs> All right, so one more Superman movie. What do you got, Ben? One more, and I love your choice, TC. And so it brings me, we were kind of, especially in the last discussion about Iron Giant, we were talking about uh, power and honing it and trying to figure it out and reclaiming and all that stuff. And this movie I picked, it's, it's kind of a goofy, fun one, but it really, truly makes me think about with great power comes with great responsibility. And how do you deal with having said power? And this is not even a superhero movie, but it could be packaged as one. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about 1994's Drunken Master 2 starring Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> We're going out with a fun one. A fun one. And um, here's something, here's a narrative mold that I thought could have fit, actually, for Zack Snyder's retelling of Superman. Here's a guy who, well, it, even though this is a pseudo sequel to the first drunken master it really had nothing to do with it but people already know of wong fei hong's ability to fight while drunk <laughs> and they know how great he is when he is intoxicated but here's the thing he he loses kind of he falls out of the public's favor by becoming increasingly volatile as he gets drunk when he's fighting he's starting to pick fights with everybody and he even picks a fight with his dad. His dad kicks him out because he's brings he's bringing shame to the family name. Yeah. Because of his public drunkenness, <laughs> and it, it's it, it's interesting because he has to take something to gain the power, but it's power nevertheless. Yeah. And I just think that what if Superman? See, this is a great Superman story because I think there should be a time if we're telling an origin story of Superman, him he needs to figure out how to hone his powers because he has so much of it. <laughs> How are you supposed to figure it out all in one take, you know? Like, <laughs> I always I always say when people bring that up, I'm like, yeah, if only there was a TV show that did that for 10, <laughs> for 10 years. I, if only, I guess. So I don't know. I'll keep wishing. <laughs> You're a brilliant man, TC. This is why you do what you do. <laughs> Sorry, Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. There's, there should be an exploration of him. Not, not, I mean, that flight sequence in Man of Steel is great. Yeah. 
That's a great moment in Man of Steel where he like flies for the first time, where he's like, of course, you know, he did create a crater. Luckily, it was in the Arctic. (laughs) (laughs) But that was him kind of figuring things out and putting pieces to the puzzle and trying not to hurt people because I think the dangers of uh, Jackie Chan's said power is like he he can seriously hurt people with with his ability and you know he the the, the great thing about it is he he chooses to do good mm-hmm. that's the thing that's the choice that the moral choice that superman needs to make and the the questions that we need to ask when we're exploring superman's character is like does he yeah he can have he has all these super abilities but does he have the ability of choosing the right choice does he have a conscience yeah <laughs> And so, like, I mean, this movie's not as deep as what we're talking about right now, but I think it's a fascinating exploration of, you know, you have all this power, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes Superman such a great character and something that's hugely lacking in Zack Snyder's interpretation is, like, why aren't we questioning these things? It, it, he's not just absolute, you know? He didn't just land and be like, boom, <laughs> I'm gonna worship kick all me. your asses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we have to ask what makes the man tick and mm-hmm. what makes the man a man. Man, 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 <laughs> Superman, Superman, uh, drunken master. That's a good one. <laughs> it's silly, but there, there are certainly, pl- there are plenty of other movies we didn't list. I love mm. that you threw Drive in there. I'd like to throw out some honorable mentions to of Fla- to Flash as a super- the TV show Flash as mm. a Superman show, and Arrow as a Batman show. Yeah, uh, Daredevil from Netflix is a great Batman. <gasps> are you watching second season? I've started the second season. Okay. Yeah, um, and look the. Batman and Superman are the prototypes, mm-hmm. and there are so many variations of these characters, even in other superheroes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Marvel has tried again and again and again, tenfold in their comics, to create Superman, mm. to create a Batman, and all they will ever be is a pale comparison to those originals. Yes. To, to what those two characters are and have always been and always will be. They've gone through so many versions of both these characters, and we are just—we just happen to be at a point where we are seeing a version of these two characters that just aren't for us. Mm. And I can admit that. I think you can admit that too. I think we're the, old. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that. <laughs> and I, I, sure, we are older than we were once upon a time. Mm. I think it's we are more experienced yes. and more worldly and more aware, and we have moved beyond the superficial mm-hmm. moved beyond the sexy and we are asking more of ourselves and our world and the characters that represent and reflect our world Woo! i should write that down that's a t-shirt. damn that's a dissertation <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that's why superman and batman are so important as characters mm-hmm. and that's why we can find them in drunken master and iron man or uh, and and iron giants and yeah. leon and lion king mm-hmm. and um, uh, Spider-Man, you know, and Thomas Crown, like these, what what these characters do for us individually, and what they do for people all around us, mm. you know, it's it's different. It's always going to be different. That's why we have to have different incarnations of them. Yeah. So I'm curious to anyone listening, what their version of Superman, what their version of Batman is, mm. and and what that means to you, and where you see them, in you know, dear listener, where do you see Superman? Where do you see Batman? Fuller House. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jesse is Superman. I Uncle think. Jesse is Superman. <laughs> and, just... and Joey Gladstone is Lex Luthor. <laughs> Absolutely. And I totally agree with all those sentiments. And just to add a little tidbit to just to look into the, the glass ball and look into the future of the DCU, there is 
elements for available to salvage right now for mm-hmm. your films. I do believe there is a room for a super serious Batman or a super serious Superman. I just don't think this incarnation is serious, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's wanting to think that it's taking itself seriously. Very but realistic. But it's done in such a way that it's laughable. And I don't understand how you think this is representative of our society. That just me, makes me think that you don't talk to real people. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cynical. Yeah. And if and if we've ever needed... We, we always need hope. Mm-hmm. We always need inspiration. We always need the heroes to show us the way. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what Superman is supposed to be. That's what Batman is supposed to be. Mm. That's what all these heroes are supposed to be. Yeah. And to to take such a cynical, jaded, jaded approach on these characters Mm -hmm. is a gross misunderstanding of what these characters are. Absolutely. And it's a gross misinterpretation of Nolan's thematics Mm -hmm. because, like, we we talk about how ultra-serious, dark, and brooding that trilogy is, but we forget that is fun as hell. It's a thrill (laughs) ride, and it makes sense in the context of our society currently like batman was reinterpreted as a analysis and a commentary on counterterrorism, and he didn't change necessarily or did a complete 180 philosophically in order to talk about that theme like he didn't have to kill he didn't have to um do something outrageously out of his character in order to tell that story yeah he he did something that Batman would do, mm-hmm. which was uh, survey innocent <laughs> civilian cell phones and, you know, take the law into his own hands. But, go, hey. <laughs> go the wrong way. Yeah. Superman Returns is a Superman set in our real world. Mm-hmm. Superman Returns, people hate that movie. You know I'm a defender of that movie. Absolutely. You know I love that movie. Yeah. And, I, and I grow to appreciate it more and more when, when exploring the themes of the movie. And I say that Superman Returns is a far more realistic movie in a far more real-world movie uh, in terms of, like, how would Superman exist in our world in in how he is treated. Yes. And how Lois treats him. And the questions of why weren't you why weren't you here? Why aren't you here? Why don't you save me? Mm-hmm. It's because I have to save everyone. How do I do that? Like, the explorations in that movie are so sad. Mm-hmm. That movie is so sad. It's a somber film. And that is a far better Superman in our world yes then this right wing aliens are bad murder world (laughs) (laughs) meathead (laughs) but you know maybe we're just asking too much of a couple of guys in capes Ben. (laughs) maybe when it comes down to it we look too deep if if anything (laughs) not not to keep expanding this conversation but i think this conversation is important especially as creative types especially as people who grew up to look up to these characters maybe batman superman doesn't necessarily need to stand as the beacon of hope that we used we were used to seeing however all these elements that we were able to pull from different movies we can we ourselves can take these elements and make our own pieces and put our artistic endeavors into the world and hopefully inspire that beacon of hope elsewhere and to through different mediums and platforms because we don't necessarily need the characters. We need the concepts and the and elements that truly inhabits the characters and we're always going to have that no matter what. And it's sad that we're going through this now because, I mean, we're still in a very uh, prominent times in our lives and we still need batman and superman to a degree but but hey we still have the essence of the characters no matter what yeah yeah 
and I guess in our own way, you, you said it right there, to be able to inject those themes and those those hopes and desires into our own work. Yes, is that's that's the mission, and that and we can thank the existence of Superman and Batman in our own in our own hearts and minds. Yes, for driving us towards that, mm-hmm. and to be able to dissect a movie we didn't like very much, and <laughs> to nitpick at it and find mm-hmm. the faults in it, is only reinforcing what those characters are supposed to do anyway yeah <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> that this hopeless cynical movie is inspiring me and it is and it is giving me hope mm-hmm. and it is doing what those characters are supposed to do anyway and yeah. that is freaking weird <laughs> that's so weird that i'm just realizing that <laughs> the name outweighs the title sometimes <laughs> Well, that was cool, man. That was that was a good idea. I'm glad we did that. Yes. Our list episodes are always our best. I think. I love it. You know, the whole concept of the rewatchment to rewatch and re-review a movie is is great. I love doing that. But uh, every now and then, breaking away and yeah. I mean, we just did two episodes in a row where we didn't rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I didn't want to bring up another list episode, but I just feel like we had to just just not only because I want to discuss BVS, but I want people to truly understand why we mm-hmm. could not get on board with that movie, you know, and <laughs> said reasons. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm speechless right now. I'm just kind of like <laughs> wrapping my mind around everything, but mm. you know, we, it, it's come, it's gone and it's on to the next thing. And all we can ever hope for is better. And I guess that's just the way to live a life, right? <laughs> <laughs> Please get rid of Zack Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ben, let's wrap it up here. Why don't you plug away? What do you got going on over here? All right, awesome. So I am currently producing and directing a documentary miniseries that focuses on notable and influential Asian-American stories called Life Stories. And it will be showcasing on all digital media platforms that has the name NBC Asian America. And they'll be on the YouTube, Roku, Amazon Prime, whatever, wherever you can find it. Um, yeah, they'll be dropping in May, so go check that out. That's a great, you know, if you if you really want great stories about not only the immigrant experience, because not all of them are immigrants, obviously, but like the ex- human, the human American experience, and that's what this series is trying to bring to you. Like, it's not just for Asians and Asian Americans; everyone can relate to it. So please check it out. And um, I'm also still the El Capitan of the Band with No Name Film <laughs> Company, and you can like us on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Benjitos. That's B E N J I T O E S. And you can check out uh, work over at firm- my work over at FirmamentFilms.com. Uh, the, the site's been doing a little. I've been doing a little overhaul on the site recently. So yeah. if you haven't been there in a while, go check it out. There's some new stuff up Extreme on there. Extreme Makeover Home Edition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have an Instagram now, which is. Uh, and Twitter, you can find me at uh, TC's Big Head. No, uh, no uh, exclamation point or anything. Quite large. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, please check out the BitLife show over on YouTube where you can find the one-minute rewatch, which is basically what we do here, condensed down to as short amount of time as possible. Yes. <laughs> and uh, if not to check me out, totally check out the one-minute gamer, which, like Chad Hal- <laughs> which, which Chad Halverson does for the BitLife show. It's mm. video game reviews in a minute. But even if you don't like video games, it's so entertaining. You should definitely check it out. <laughs> Your guest spot was hilarious. Oh, thank way. you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but that being said thank you for listening please subscribe share with your friends and comments if you have anything to say about batman and superman sorry tc i I forgot one more plug what would it be okay to plug one more thing i would (laughs) oh okay so i 
I forgot to mention that Life Stories, one of the episodes we'll be making its world premiere at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is the largest Asian American film festival in the country. That will be premiering on April 23rd at the Downtown Independent. Look that up because I don't Woo. know the actual address. <laughs> it will be playing. It'll be a five-minute short documentary um, episode that's attached to a feature-long documentary. That's so, amazing. So go check that out. Man, congratulations. Are t- uh, do you know what ticket prices are or anything like that? I think it's $12, which is kind of pricey. Sorry. But, um, oh, I, no, mean, I mean, you're seeing more than one thing. It's fine. Yeah. You're, get to, you're getting to see great Asian-American content. And so that's cheaper than out. a movie. So look at that. You win. Yeah, this is true. Win-win <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> all right cool well thank thank good that's amazing man i'm just thank you, i'm TV. blown away by that so i don't i do not have anything playing at a film festival so but you had many before <laughs> <laughs> so don't be greedy <laughs> good point good point <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for listening comment below if you have anything to say about this we will be back again in the future probably with a rewatch who knows <laughs> i am tcd wit for bento over here Woo! for all the rewatchmen across the world saying keep doing what you're doing I'll put the Superman theme and the Batman theme at the same time. You know what? I think that's a great matchup with John Williams. What? That's playing at the same time, so it makes sense. That's what's playing right now. Please.